Hello, good morning to another edition of your favorite weekend news analysis program that brings you right here on City TV. My name is Duke Mentor City in for your regular host, Godfred Akoto Wafo. It's been a week where all sorts of issues have dominated headlines um, in the country. Of course, the issues in the civil and local service, uh, government staff association spilling over from last week to this week over the so-called political neutrality allowance. Is it an illegality or it is a necessity? I mean, in many countries across the globe, one of the cardinal principles of being in the civil service is the principle of neutrality. The civil servants all across the world earn a political neutrality allowance. These are the, some of the questions we'll be exploring on the part of a program which will deal with the matter of the political neutrality allowance. Of course, they have had cause to call the bluff of all those who are calling for the scrapping of such allowance, justifying that. We'll be going into that analysis for you on the big issue with all the experts, the analysts, and of course, the knowledgeable people, as we usually do, who break down the issues of concern. We'll also look at the matters in relation to how far we've come. The Fourth Republican 1992 Constitution has been the groom norm, in the words of pure law theorist Hans Kelsen. It's been the groom norm since 1993. And this week, the 28th of April marked three decades, 30 years, since the promulgation and acceptance and existence of that 1992 Constitution. I uh, would be looking at the cause for review after 30 years, and of course, the resurrection, the resuscitation, the resurgence of the debate for the election of MMDCs on partisan lines after that issue was shelved by the uh, president after the lack of a national consensus on the matter when it was raised some years ago. And finally, we'll look at where Ghana is. I mean, globally, among the community of nations, per the United States State Department report, the U.S. State Department report on human rights. How well did we fare in that report? And what are the critical issues of security, safety, human rights that needs to be addressed right here? So, of course, we'll begin with a wrap of the major issues and uh, from the uh, Civil and Local Government Service, where on Wednesday, the association requested for an extension of time to conclude negotiations, or government actually uh, asked for an extension of time to conclude negotiations with the Civil and Local Government Staff Association over the payment of the political neutrality allowance. This follows, or this followed a meeting among the Ministries of Finance, Labor and Employment Relations, CLOCSAC themselves, and the arbiter, the National Labor Commission. Government was expected to reach a deal with striking members of the Civil and Local Government Staff Association, CLOCSAC, over the payment of the political neutrality allowance on um, Tuesday. Members of CLOSAG are expecting to be paid 20% of their basic salary as their political neutrality allowance. The request for the payment of the political neutrality allowance has sparked a conversation on the illegality or otherwise of the allowance. The think tanks uh, such as Imani Africa and the Center for Democratic Development, Ghana CDD, have called for it to draw. Here are some updates on the negotiations that have been going on so far. 
The demand for the political neutrality allowance has generated public debate with divided opinion on the relevance of such an allowance. While some contend that the government giving in to this demand will open the floodgate to other allowance claims from the state, some believe that such allowance is important to keep civil service and local government workers away from serving based on their political interests. The Civil and Local Government Staff Association is requesting for 20% of their basic salary as their political neutrality allowance. Wednesday's meeting sought to bring finality to a payment plan for the controversial political neutrality allowance. After the meeting, the Deputy Labour and Employment Minister, Bright Rekubrobe, said they are hopeful that all outstanding issues will be resolved by Friday, April 29, 2022. See, these matters are like marriage issues. We don't we are still talking the last time we met we, they asked us to go and meet and we have not completed the discussions yet so we've pleaded for a little bit of time so we hope by friday we'll be done when you say we who are we sir? both parties clocksack and government but is, is it is it not the National Labour Commission giving you a second directive for you to go and sit and get the issues resolved? But there was an earlier directive that you were supposed to have concluded these negotiations. So the directive was given. We are engaging. Engagement is not a one-way process. Mm. So we are still talking. That's why we're giving you up to Friday to talk. So both parties have agreed that let's engage. By Friday, we bring finality to the matter. It the executive secretary of Klosak, Isaac Bampo Ado, noted they will not call off the strike until an amicable solution is reached. Yeah, we're giving ourselves up to Friday to solve all issues. Well, government asked for Friday and then we'll get our letter. So you are still waiting for the payment schedule before you can call off? Yeah. But have you considered the widespread impact of your strike on government business? Well, have we also considered the effect on our pocket. Our pocket is bleeding. So it should be a win-win situation. Yeah. So like I said, mm -hmm. we're hoping that by Friday all these issues will be resolved. Is it, isn't that it came up with a plan that you are not happy with or is it just a call for an extension? Uh, they call for an extension to Friday, so it's a no problem. The negotiator, the National Labour Commission, instructed Klosak to suspend the strike while the finance minister prepares to pay the allowances. Today, Minister of Finance has been here, right, represented by Mr. Jolulu and others from the ministry. The Klosak were here. The Minister of Employment, led by the Deputy Minister, was here, as well as Fair Wages and Salaries Commission. So both parties, right, to the dispute, that is Klosak and then the government, have told the commission that they are settled on the matter. Right? The minister has been briefed. He is to brief cabinet tomorrow. And then what happens? He can now issue the letter to the controller. In a like manner, Klosag is also to call off the strike. Right? Which was contingent on the letter. Klosag is telling us that, yes, it is not for the um, executive secretary to stand here and call off the It's subject to, what do you call it? Uh, council meeting. So as he lives here, uh, with the directive of the commission, he is writing to his council members tomorrow, invite them for a meeting on Friday, right, and then they will call off the strike. Issues of the remuneration of public service workers have always been a concern to Ghanaians. In 2017, 
the Presidential Committee on Emoluments identified that the public service with the civil service force under has some of the highest paid Ghanaian workers with some earning more than Article 71 office holders. In 2017, when the former CEO of Cocoa Board was arraigned for financial malfeasance, the revelation of him earning a 75,000 monthly gross salary was alarming to a number of Ghanaians. The board chairman of Cocoa Board at the time, Hakman Ogusu Ajeman, in an interview with City News, described as unthinkable the salaries reported to have been earned by Stephen Opuni. The concerns have resurfaced following a strike by the Civil and Local Government Staff Association of Ghana over the non-payment of their neutrality allowances. The allowance, according to the Deputy Employment and Labor Relations Minister, Bright Rekrubrobe, who spoke on Joy FM, is to ensure the group remains neutral as demanded by the Constitution. Every union, every association, has peculiarities of their job. And then if they are denied by I mean, certain uh, allowances which they could get, because, for example, if people are able to go and stand as assembly members, they go, even though they uh, give their quota, they work for Mother Ghana, they still earn some allowance. They cannot, in any way, you know, do that. So they claim that this is something that we all must look at so that they compensate themselves and then stay neutral as, as, as uh, it were. They are deprived of those terms, and therefore, government must help them to stay neutral. So that allowance is what they put forward, but we have to look at this. But the Center for Democratic Development believes it was wrong for government to have considered paying an allowance for a responsibility imposed on civil servants and local government staff by the Constitution. I'm shocked that you know a government would agree to that in the first place because I it's I describe it almost like a tautology. You know, you, how how are you kind of rewarding the person for? something that you know already uh, they are supposed to do as part of their responsibilities so i i really feel that you know clusac should be pulling back from this cause of action this decision to consider neutrality allowances is based on experiences of civil servants over the past years in dealing with the neutrality restriction posed on them in recent times, the concerns can be traced to reaction to a 2015 reminder for civil servants and local government staff to remain neutral. Civil servants are Article 94 Clause 3, barred from contesting as members of parliament while still at post. The head of civil service in October 2015 in a letter reminded civil servants and local government staff not to attend political rallies wear party paraphernalia, engage in party vetting activities, or even contest in party primaries. Kloksag, however, filed a lawsuit at the Supreme Court to challenge the restrictions on its members to partake in active partisan politics and argued that the Constitution bestowed a right on them to engage in such activities. The Supreme Court, in its judgment on the matter, 
confirmed that persons holding roles are civil servants and local government staff cannot engage in active partisan politics even though they could be members of political parties. In the judgment of the Supreme Court, a seven-member panel concluded that on a true and proper interpretation of the Constitution, a member of the civil service or local government staff has a right to join a political party of his choice or her choice. However, such a person does not have the right to participate overtly in political party activities while still a member of the civil service or local government service. Prior to this order, a civil servant, Alexander Hedido, who was an assistant director at the Pristia Huni Valley District Assembly, had been indicted in September 2015 for his involvement in active party politics when he filed nominations to contest the Swaman parliamentary seat. Aside this, the president of Kloksak, Isaac Bampo Ado, in 2022, had cause to complain about what he said was the targeting of his members perceived to be engaging in partisan politics. This year alone, over 20 civil servants' appointments have been terminated for showing their political color. 20 civil servants' appointments have been terminated. Is this fair? They reinstate them. So that's the issue. That's the bottom line. Once over 20, only this year, over 20 civil servants' appointments have been terminated for showing their political colors. According to City News sources close to the association, negotiations for the neutrality allowances guided by these experiences began two years ago and were finalized in January this year. However, three months after the signing of a memorandum of understanding with the finance ministry, the government is yet to make any financial commitments. For groups like Money Africa, the agreement to pay this allowance is in bad taste. And I considered it as a fraudulent arrangement for the simple reason that the whole concept behind civil service work is rooted in the principle of anonymity, permanency and neutrality. So you cannot take it apart and decide to negotiate on one. In fact, the point I'm making is that before anyone becomes a civil servant, these three cardinal principles are actually um, the reasons for which, I mean, the person is employed and, and the person knows very well that they need to abide by these principles. But Kloksag will have none of these criticisms and insists their demand for neutrality allowance is justifiable. What all locals has in money Ghana got to do, they should go and read the labor law. It's a solution between an employee and an employer. What is his locus? My friend, tell him to go and sleep. He should mind his own business. However, the director of advocacy and policy engagement at the Center for Democratic Development described the agreement as unconstitutional. I've sort of argued that the only way you can stop something like this is that if you can declare it as unconstitutional in the sense that it's illegal in the first place to be uh, rewarding you know, somebody for something that they are already almost uh, obligated you know, to do and being paid for. So why it's almost like it, uh, it's like an unjust reward, or uh, uh, it's you are you are sort of adding uh, rewards for nothing. You don't get anything uh, out of it because it's already been paid for, you know. So that's the only way you can stop it. Otherwise, it becomes a condition of say, a labor law matter. I have an agreement with you. It's part of my conditions. You are supposed to fulfill it. If you don't fulfill it, I strike or I go to court and, and claim my rights. 
So that's, that's, that's in the current realm, and that's what is going to be pursued. But in a broader context, this and any type of arrangement like this has to be challenged constitutionally. When City News contacted Clocksack for response, the association declined and indicated that all concerns about the allowance will be addressed in a press conference on Tuesday. Our sources, however, tell us that the terms of agreement in question includes a conversation for restructuring of the salary structure of civil servants and finalizing conditions of service for their members. For the CDD, Clocksack should rather be interested in pushing for fair wage among public sector workers and Article 71 office holders. I would be happy if Clocksack is, is coming and saying, yes, we are joining suicide, we are joining TUC, we are joining to make sure that these kinds of unfair processes, you know, uh, we put a stop to it. Or if there's reforms that have to be made to regulate, to keep it in check so that there can be fairness, can be sustainable, we are all for it, and we will gladly support that. So, um, Dr. Kudu Asante, who would be joining us um, for the discussion as well, he, is, he ended that report put together by my colleague Hansen Ajman. Before that, there was a report by Kudu Ajman. So I'm sure if you didn't even know what this was all about, just these two reports um, actually in detail um, gives you a set of grounding and understanding of what this animal uh, or what this concept or phenomenon of political neutrality allowance is. Uh, so I, I, would, I would introduce my guests. I have in studio um, former vice chair of the Constitutional Legal and Parliamentary Affairs Committee of Parliament, former MP for Gumwa uh, West, uh, the Honorable Alexander Aban. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I also have... Uh, Former Executive Secretary of the National Labor Commission, Mr. Charles Adongo Baudia. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, and uh, on Zoom, I have a regular suspect, a regular panelist, Franklin Kujo of Imani Africa, who was referenced in that video. I'll be putting that question to him, actually. <laughs> Franklin, good morning and welcome. Morning, Duke. Where is your locus? <laughs> Okay, so uh, our others joining um, in as well. We'll introduce them as and when um, we are ready to bring them to discussion. But let me start with, off on Zoom with Franklin. Franklin, what is your local standing in this issue of political neutrality? To throw back to you the question from uh, <laughs> Dr. Bampu. Well, I mean, our locus is essentially that of uh, everybody who has had cause to question or be concerned about this uh, animal called neutrality allowance. So I think the locus so of the question is actually for the general public uh, that have been interested in this matter. I think the, it's, it's clear that the conversation uh, that have been had over this particular thing, this uh, concept, it's, it's made it quite clear that Ghanaians or taxpayers are not willing to tolerate uh, uh, anything that seems to be, uh, for lack of a better word, the rules, um, or something that is uh, basically, uh, I'm still short of my, 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 my vocabulary, but I'm just trying to say that anything that is true uh, in some sort of uh, Technology that appears to uh, 
uh, siphon funds away from the public press uh, must be resisted with all efforts and strength. Mm. So for me, I, I think clearly um, the conversation has been, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, knowledge sharing on this matter. And critically, the ones that concern me are the ones that relate to me. The principles that guide the civil service itself. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I don't want to repeat myself, but clearly, the if if like I said in that interview, um, civil servants are supposed to be anonymous in their functions, which means that when they advise political officers, uh, they are not responsible yeah. for what outcomes the advice uh, bring, mm. and they are supposed to be permanent. The reason why they can be uh, sacked for no other, mm. for no particular good reason. Mm. Certainly, neutrality meaning that uh, they are supposed to be apolitical and their loyalties to the state. Mm. So, how anyone can pick apart these principles and decide to negotiate on the basis of, of, of the, on that basis for remuneration, on additional remuneration, is quite baffling. So, for me, um, I'll just say that. Uh, if the general concerns with the enumeration of everybody or the civil servants is what must be discussed. Mm. Okay. As, I've said, as I've said, the times you are in are definitely difficult for everybody. Mm. So nobody can be forfeit if they want to, make, if they want to ask for a raise. Mm. Um, I've been suggested, in fact, supported the idea that something close to the inflationary rate should be given. Even though we know we are in very, very difficult times. Yes. So the point really is that nobody is fighting closer, or indeed any labor union that wants to negotiate on the basis of these conditions that we are all going through. But clearly, they cannot decide that a particular race or the race should be based on something they already are, which mm. is neutrality allowance. Okay. Yeah. But Franklin, there are some professions or, I mean, uh, well, let me say here, professions, jobs, that comes with certain, even though it is part of their duties, they take risk allowances, right? Um, there are, these, these civil servants work with the politicians in their ministries most of the time, and they see the kind of benefits that these politicians enjoy. Sometimes, most of the work, in fact, all of the work, I was told by someone that all you need to be, all you need to do, all you need to have to be a minister, a good minister, is to be able to read and make good judgment. Because the civil servants will do all the technical work for you. Now, looking at that close relationship that they have with the political class, how close they are to the political class, who are supposed to determine these emoluments for them, and the kind of emoluments this political class or members of the political class who run their ministry stake doesn't only pander to reason and human desire for them to also want more, even though there may be a misnomer or the name for this allowance may be misplaced. Well, certainly, we've had, we've had time to complain about the, uh, the structure, the salary and the wages structure uh, when it comes out to 71 groups. I think this is not new. And um, not just a lot, a lot is going to be done. I suspect the question really would be if you are closer to the action as the civil servants are, and they are seeing all of that and asking themselves 
what can we do in order to get the same? That conversation can be had. Indeed, mm. that's what we are calling for. That look, we need the rationalization of wages and salaries within the public sector. And I must admit that when this was single spine thing started, we raised eyebrows, uh, we raised concern because we thought that it was based on a faulty economic principle. It wasn't based on the productivity per se. Mm. Um, with time, they decided to introduce something called risk allowance because, as it were, uh, they just realized that some people's jobs were a bit more uh, demanding than, than others. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where it started unfolding. Because if the if these issues have been addressed from the get go, we wouldn't be seeing the equivalency analysis of paying salaries within the, the civil service mm -hmm. as the basis for the, 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 the principle in the first place. So yes, you can understand that once they are closer to the political office holders and they are thinking basically skyrocketing salaries <laughs> um, every human being is, is sensible mm. this for now. And so when it comes to these concerns about why that the political figures are getting a bit more and they can appropriate to themselves uh, allowances that are also very, quite crazy. And then we also need to get a piece of the pie. Yeah. But that's exactly the conversation we are having. That okay. Then let's have a conversation broadly about general service, general conditions of service mm -hmm. sector. But the closer people should have been the first to say that this neutrality allowance will be will be rebuffed simply because they they are, they exist because they are neutral, you know. So maybe the terminology was the reason that got everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, concerns are legitimate. Mm. Okay, let me come to you, Mr. Uh, come, come to Mr. on this issue. I'm sure, I mean, being the the topmost officer, for want of a better word, at the NLC <laughs> for a number of years, you also encountered some of these, these concerns. Can you break down for us essentially what this is all about? Well, uh, thank you very much. I, I, I think that uh, this this discussion nationwide uh, ought to have taken place earlier. Okay. Um, from the discourse that has ensued, it is clear that uh, this allowance was negotiated and agreed upon earlier. Yeah. The issue that has come up now is all about payment. Mm -hmm. uh, this discussion, when the negotiations were going on for the provisions of neutrality allowance for CROSAC members, is the time we should have discussed this and to analyze whether or not it, there was a need for it. And nobody heard about nobody it. Nobody heard of, about it. And I'm surprised that it did happen and nobody heard about it. Mm. Nonetheless, it has come up and we should discuss it because mm. it's a, a matter of national interest. Mm. Better later, never. Yes. So I, I, I am of the candid opinion that when an employee is going into a particular workplace, mm. and for that matter, uh, cluster members entering into public and local, uh, civil and local government service, they know the conditions prevalent or the rules and the regulations available at that workplace. So in accepting an appointment, such as that, you know at the back of your mind, or you begin to know, that you, you, the fundamental basis for your employment is neutrality. And without neutrality, you cannot properly function as a 
civil servant or a local government servant. Mm. So going into that employment, members of CLOSAC knew that they ought to be neutral. And so there's really no basis for a special allowance called neutrality allowance for members of CLOSAC. Mm. You see, the code of conduct for civil servants and the code of conduct for public uh, uh, local government service is clear. And I always want to go to the, the source. Mm. If you read portions of that, uh, that of civil servants, mm. it's clear that they, by the nature of their work, their code of conduct does not permit them to engage in, uh, in politics. Mm. And so they must be neutral. In section 12, the code of conduct for civil service says that the constitution of Ghana confers rights on all citizens of Ghana, including civil servants, to join any political party or association of their choice. However, by virtue of the traditional role of the civil service to serve the government of the day, loyally, and to maintain the confidence of any future administration, a civil servant may not and provides a list, accept any office, paid or unpaid, permanent or temporary in any political party or organization, declare himself openly as a registered member of a political party or association, indicate publicly his support for any party, candidate or policy, make speeches or join in demonstrations in favor of any political party or propaganda, engage in activities which are likely to involve him in political controversy. So similar provisions are also provided for in the code of conduct for local government service. So clearly these were the rules. And so if you are very good reason for setting up these rules. Yes, they, they are all they all emanate from the fundamental basis of the constitution. Yeah. Particularly Article 94 uh, clearly 3B which excludes civil and local government service from engaging in partisan politics. And knowing this, and going into it as your employment, you ought to function as the rules of the employment require you to function. But you see, nonetheless, and I want to be candid about this, mm. the employment relationship is all about agreement. What the parties agree is in terms of remuneration, condition of service, must be carried out. Now, government, knowing very well that by the conduct, the, 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 the code of conduct for local government service, by the provisions of the code of conduct for civil service, there was no need to engage in any discussion for neutrality allowance at all. But they have, and have even signed off, represented, represented by the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission and the Crookside leadership on the other hand. It becomes a benefit, an employment benefit, a liberation that the workers expect to be paid. So for me, unless they are able to get this set aside by way of uh, saying that it is unconstitutional, or that they are able to get back to the negotiating table, to engage closers on the need to remove it, they must just pay. Because this tendency where government engages in 
negotiating agreements, negotiating conditions of service with public sector workers, and when it comes to payment, then there is a problem, must be discouraged. So I think on that basis, the workers ought to be paid their neutrality allowance, unless they are able to have it negotiated and removed from their condition of service. You see, I'm convinced that what we pay public sector workers, civil servants, local government service workers, are peanuts. I have been there before, and it, it's so discouraging. So I would welcome a situation where steps are taken to improve upon conditions of workers. But in doing so, you must be mindful that you are acting in accordance with the laws that regulate the sector. And if for any reason the agreement and understanding was that civil servants need a better remuneration, mm. let us engage and improve upon that. That was fair. But to well, negotiate... That shouldn't be the name. Yes, but to negotiate and call it neutrality, neutrality allowance, allowance. Uh, in my considered view, it's a complete misnomer, mm. and that is what has caused us this uproar that we discuss in this country today. Okay, so essentially, uh, you, are for, you are all for anything that will improve upon the conditions of service of civil servants, but the name may have been the reason for all of this uh, uproar. Okay, uh, let me bring in um, Ms. Alban here on this issue. Good morning, my brother, and good morning, uh, our cherished viewers and listeners. Yes, I think that this whole hullabaloo about neutrality, allowance, and all that is being generated by reason mm -hmm. only mm -hmm. of the nomenclature given to that allowance they are seeking. What about the principle underpinning it, that we need to pay civil servants 20% of their basic salary for applying with something that is core? basic to the very essence and the foundation of the civil service. Since the days of ancient Rome, also civil services, civil servants are supposed to be neutral. neutral. And they must be loyal yeah. to the state. Yeah, to the state, not to any particular And to that person. extent to and serve faithfully mm. any government in power yeah. at any time. Yeah. Right? So, uh, to the extent that they must be cushioned, not necessarily for their neutrality, but to make them get reasonable, proper take-home wage. We all agree. My information is that there were many heads of allowances they were negotiating on. And finally, they decided that, okay, let us uh, put all of them together under neutrality allowance. And I'm saying that, uh, but for the signals that the name or the nomenclature they have adopted sent uh, or conveyed to the public, mm -hmm. I don't think it would have been a problem because we all know as a matter of fact that civil servants, local government uh, workers, are among the least paid public sector workers uh, in the country. They sit in the ministries, they see all the allowances, probably they work on it for the chief directors, to, to say. for the ministers, mm -hmm. the deputy ministers, and all the entertainment and all the things that they keep giving, mm -hmm. giving them and all that. Mm -hmm. Then they see that, hey, 
what about us? Mm. Right. But I don't think that we should set some money for them just because they have to remain neutral. Because I think it is, in essence, mm -hmm. part of the conditions. So when they are going into that employment, they know what they have to do. Yeah. They are supposed to be neutral. Mm -hmm. They are supposed to be loyal to the state. But even then, the question we have to ask is that, are they? That's a, that's, that's a huge because, for another day. Because it is probably just conceptual. We have worked with them. We have worked with at least two sets of civil servants. Yes. At the, at the health ministry and then at the Ministry of Communication. And that is why I am saying that. Because, that's why I ask because, because, because in the various places, among themselves, they know. They know who they know is who. aligned to what political party. Really? And yes. And sometimes you come as a minister, somebody will come and just whisper to your ears, be careful about this guy. He's on the other side. Or something like that. Right? And a story was told of somebody who was at the um, passport office yeah. and after a change of government, even though he had the books, he decided to uh, just create artificial city and say that I'm going to say Mope, Sa political party way. That's sabotage. Yes. Serious sabotage. So those things do happen. And when, in practice, they are doing their own political things under tones, right. you still come and tell us that uh, we should pay you neutrality. In, in fact, in fact, it's said there are some, and I will not mention the particular ministries, but there are some ministers who are so averse to this phenomenon you are talking about that when they are coming to the ministry, they come with a, I was going a set there. of entire an, an entire new set of. I was going there. That was the fact. The effect, the effect is that the political heads mm -hmm. or the political appointees do not trust the system. Mm. And so you realize that he is coming and he has about two peers. Mm. And I think that he may have to discuss with one director or the next. He may even circumvent the system mm. and ask his peer to do it because that's the person he trusts. Yes. But that shouldn't be the case. And it is for this reason that it appears our politics is 24-7, uh, uh, 265 mm. uh, 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 days per year. Mm. Because immediately after elections, we have to leave the political and then do mm. the work, the service. But you go there and realize that you may have to find ways of uh, where you must step. Yeah. You need to be careful. You need to be careful, even as political heads. Because they themselves, as they sit there, they know who is doing what. And talking about um, allowances in general, it appears to me that Ghanaians, uh, we want to enjoy allowances more than uh, asking for our salaries to be uh, improved. Mm. Because in the final analysis, when you are done with active service mm -hmm. and you retire. It is not the allowances, that's uh, it's a salary. It is a salary which is going to determine the pension. the pension that you're going to get. Interesting. And in fact, it's at that time that a lot of 
ailments, illnesses, mm -hmm. uh, weakness, and all that. So, so your 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 bill mm -hmm. on uh, your healthcare bill mm -hmm. becomes even bigger. But we want to enjoy the money now, and put ourselves in uh, if I say some straight jacket uh, uh, situation when we are older and we even need more money. So the focus should rather be how our salaries would be improved. Because you go to some places, the allowances put together is over and above or much bigger than the salary itself. Yeah. And so in your heydays, you enjoy it and you, realize, you forget that as you enjoy your uh, eggs now, you are actually reducing the number of uh, chicken that you have in future. So that's one other area we may also have to think about. But all this is coming about because if you look at the conditions of service for certain top uh, management in public service, those in uh, the CEOs of uh, government-owned uh, businesses, then you ask yourself, why should I be here? Mm -hmm in the civil service. Sometimes they go there not because they want to be there, but employment itself, uh, you don't have the opportunity. So you well, get that. It's very difficult to get into the civil service, so. Yes. But because of, I don't know, since the arrangement with the IMF where there was a freeze on public sector, you know, um, recruitment, it's been difficult getting into it. Usually, no, but the even truth, the ministry that matter. used to organize examinations for fresh graduates to write, all that has ceased for some time. No, but the truth of the matter is that when you go to the civil service, mm -hmm. The number of employees we have is over and above well, true. the what should be there? work. It's bloated. Uh, yes. Somebody may just be working about and um, for a month he has virtually done nothing. Mm. Contributed productivity. And the and, yeah. person, so long as he has not even contributed anything, his salary itself Assured. becomes a negative mm, to public press because he has been unproductive. Mm. True. And that person will also be there and use the uh, it was the consumables mm -hmm. of the states yeah that becomes double negative <laughs> so we must look at all these things and as we talk about their allowances probably probably if we are looking at proper rationalization of the employment system in the public service and take optimal number of people who have work to do mm and are paid commensurate uh, with the work they do, so much the better. We must also think about that. Of course, somebody will say that, hey, in doing that, you are going to create unemployment. Mm -hmm. Because as they... By the days of structural adjustment. Yes, but because as, as, as they congregate there, uh, even if nobody is doing anything, at the end of the day, everybody gets something small. Family. Uh, People will be but, taken care of. But the question is, are you not supposed to be paid for the work you do? Mm. Okay. So these are issues that we Interesting. Uh, we may open a can of worms. Franklin, let's, let's, uh, um, let me come back to you on this issue of the, whether the concept itself, it's even in practice in our civil service, where, I mean, from Honorable Aban's experience at two ministries where he was deputy, he's telling us that if you go there, they're among themselves, just like with almost all our state institutions, and sometimes these, I mean, groupings even determine whether you get promoted or not, depending on where 
you are perceived to be politically. If that's the case, then there's no, even that the, the 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 basic or core concept of neutrality, which we think the civil servant should be rewarded for, does not even exist anymore in our civil service. Well, I mean, the point to be made and again is that the the um, innate political uh, affiliations of uh, of civil servants are not supposed to be. Uh, um, made public, right? That's why they are in it. To the extent that that has also not been respected and it's apparent that that has not been done, then of course we can all quibble over why they would need neutrality allowance. Um, but for me, I think the substantive matter still holds. If you want to discuss your remuneration generally, please do. And I like the angle the, my good friend Alban is coming from, that it must even be based on productivity, really. We must have some sort of analysis that determines your real worth to the, to, to the economy. Um, you shouldn't be paid because you exist in a job and, and you shouldn't be paid simply because you, you're, I mean, you are supposed to be neutral or um, anonymized or permanent in a particular job. So maybe this has also brought, this, this, this has brought the opportunity for us to have a conversation about a real and productive nature of our civil servant. Indeed, the productivity when it comes to work in general um, is going to be a very hard and difficult one because, as, as we know, uh, if you are going to do that rationalization, it means some people must leave the service. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's also important for the labor activists and labor consultants and anybody within the labor public service to ask themselves of what work am I to the economy generally? What do I do I do I need do I do I need what do I justify the payment that I receive? I think that's maybe another layer of this conversation. But clearly, yes, they are by their actions obviously fulfilling partisan. Um, but that cannot be a basis for saying that we shouldn't have a conversation about their immigration which must be tied to productivity. Of course. All right, thank you. I'm coming back in studio. I've been joined by uh, former MP for Tamale Central, former uh, Minister for Roads and um, Highways, uh, the Honorable, and of course, former ranking member of Constitutional, Legal, and Parliamentary Affairs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, a lawyer, um, Alajin Safsini. Welcome, Alajin. Uh, th thank you. Thank you. Uh, and 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 Eid Mubarak in, in advance. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. It's happy new year to you. Yes. 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 It's great. 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 So, um, you've also had the opportunity to work with civil servants in your political career. Now, the allegation has come up that when the civil servants look at what they are approving for you or what they are signing for you in terms of the allowances, not signing for you essentially, but what they are. What the paper trail that goes through their hands before you get. That's what raises some of these concerns that they also deserve more. Especially I mean earlier in the year I had the course to 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 look at the salary structure for some of these civil servants. And I must say I, I was not attracted at all. Because if you look at what some of the civil servants are taking, even with all the single spine and the rest. I mean, I kept wondering myself how some of them survive. That's the basic salary that they take. So let's look at this issue of this political neutrality allowance. Is it necessary? 
is it a necessary evil that has been given the wrong name? Or even the concept of neutrality doesn't even exist in the civil service. So we might as well look at other things and forget this. So I think that's proper for me to say good morning to my mm. co-panelists yeah. and uh, colleagues at the bar. Uh, Abadon has been was also on the committee on the constitutional legal and parliamentary affairs. My good friend, uh, when we met in Malaysia, in Singapore, he demonstrated uh, knowledge of that area. <laughs> <laughs> and my colleague, long time. <laughs> but we are doing wonderfully well. I've been reading you in the dispatches. Wonderfully well. And congratulations. Thank you. Now, you see, uh, I've listened to both of them. And I think that, and also to our good friend, okay. Uh, Franklin, and I think that <laughs> we are united around the fact that mm. probably the the description of the head of payment after the negotiations has caused this problem. <laughs> because I've read I've read a lot on how how the uh, negotiations took place, uh, which people constituted the negotiations, the heads of agreement, the decision. To start paying them in April, and all those that. So, so, so clearly, it means that what we are talking of presently is after the fact. Mm. Exactly. Mm. It's after the fact because <coughs> uh, uh, the the close act had made justifiable points, points that persons that we have put in authority to negotiate on the behalf of the state agreed to the reasonableness yeah. of of the claims that they were making. But in, in agreeing to pay them that, that allowance, they decided to put it under the head of neutrality. I don't think that that head, they're putting it under that head or describing the payment as such helped uh, push their, or advance their case. And, and that's, that's the problem. So generally, workers after the single spine salary structure were encouraged to negotiate by... Uh, a beginning power arrangement. Yeah. And, and, and generally, government has always been saying that pay must be linked to performance. Mm -hmm. And so, Aban has said it, Franklin has said it. I mean, you cannot continue paying people like, uh, like uh, Kufo said. You can't pay people who are pretending to work. Mm -hmm. And you also, also cannot stop paying them because the money will not take them home. Mm -hmm. So, you are pretending to pay, pay them. them. Mm -hmm. And so, so, clearly, there has been a problem. The problem has, has actually been that, I mean, most people in the civil and public service have just been going to work. Sometimes they go to work, wanting to work, but the tools with which to work are, aren't there. Just like the situation in which we find ourselves today. I mean, uh, it had to take a very long time before uh, the e-levy was allegedly passed. Okay. I like what you're talking about. Because the matter is still something to do. Yes. So, so, so now for all that time, and it illegally constituted the bulk of uh, what we call the in, draft of uh, no in the budget structure. That is what goes into investment. Investment, yeah. Okay. So, it, I mean, you pay item one salary. Mm. You have uh, office uh, uh, equipment. Mm -hmm. I mean. Uh, like things that you use to do work, yeah. but you cannot invest because you have no investment uh, funds because mm. the illegal yeah. was to go to investment. So all that period, so capital expenditure, uh, capital expenditure was not capex. Capex yeah. was non-existent. 
And so you were paying workers to go to work, but they were actually going to work to do nothing mm. because there was nothing to work with. To do. Okay, and so yes, the period in which we find ourselves is difficult, and again, that it probably explains why there have been this level of uproar yeah. on whether or not Closak is entitled to payment at all. Oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> because we are in dire straits. There's simply there's no money. Mm. There's no money. And you know the debt to GDP mm -hmm. stands presently at 84%. Mm. Even if you collect all the revenues, we'll just be left with less than 13, I mean 15%. For investment. That's that's a, a figure that sometimes got main challenges. No, no, no. The debt to GDP ratio. No, no, no. It's around somewhere seventy percent. No, 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 no. It's 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 been no, it's Eighty-four. I mean, it's been yeah. the last time I read it was eighty-four percent. Mm -hmm. And so, no, but even if it's seventy percent, it's still, it's still, it's still unsustainable. Yeah. It's unsustainable. So, and, and because of the dire straits, uh, people are looking to see how government will sacrifice. And initially, government was not bargain, but the pressure and demand to, to government to be seen to be doing something towards, I mean, meeting the expectations of the Ghanaians by reducing the expenditure uh, manifested itself in the 30% cut in the salaries of uh, SOE, yes. SOEs and some government officials. That demonstrates the fact that we are really in, in big trouble. So if this is our current state where E-Levy is to be implemented uh, 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 on tomorrow from tomorrow. tomorrow yes. That's also a subject of contention. We'll come to it later on. And then, the and, then, and then and where yeah, presently we don't have KPEX. Mm -hmm. Where <laughs> public service, public servants, civil servants, most of them go to work. They simply cannot do anything because the tools we need to work aren't there. Then you are saying that even though you are not working, even though we are not seeing productivity, uh, we should pay you. And so Ghanaians will not take advantage of that. They will definitely say, you know, uh, we are throwing good money away. Hmm. But the basis for the negotiations have well been established and eloquently stated by my colleagues here. I did not go back to it. Now, I also see some phenomenon that problem had emerged. Closak mm -hmm. went into negotiations, agreed with government. Negotiations led by the senior minister mm -hmm. included the deputy finance minister, fair wages commission, and all persons who matter in taking decisions about salaries in this country. They committed themselves to the agreement that was arrived at. Now that was closer. Just last week, 36 public service organizations now also said that they are part of the system and also they are demanding public service. Mm. Public, the public service. service. Yes. There are 36 of them. Mm. So they are not. Well, NCC, charge workers. See what happens. With this so, 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 so the argument is that it was this same kind of arrangement brought single that brought in single spine. Mm. So getting workers to put pressure on government individually resulted in distorting the salary structure. Oh, we have to hold on to that thought there. We'll take a break. When I come back, uh, we'll have the closing thoughts on this issue and then move on to the other matters after discussion on the big issue this morning. We'll back after the break. Stay with us. 
Hello, good morning, and welcome back from the break. And of course, special welcome to our viewers on television. This is the big issue. My name is Duke Mentopo. I'm sitting in for a regular host, Godfrey Akoto Boafu. So, over the past one hour, we've been discussing matters relating to um, the demand for a political neutrality allowance. Not even a demand anymore, but they're demanding for its payment, actually, by government. The Civil and Local Government Service Staff Association, CLOGSAG, the past two weeks have been up in arms with government for the payment of this allowance. But many have questioned, I mean, if you look at the cardinal principles of civil service, anonymity, permanence, and neutrality, third one, neutrality, very important. So if that is very important and significant to the very existence of the organization in which you work, should we pay you an allowance for, for doing your work, essentially? So like some think tanks, like some money, Africa, and CDD and others believe that this is a misplaced call. Others have also said that if you look at the conditions of service of civil servants in this country, it's a step in the right direction. Clockside has been calling the bluff of almost everyone who disagrees with them in this regard. So I have been doing the discussion in studio with a former NLC executive secretary, private legal practitioner, Charles Adongo Bawadia. Um, and two former members of parliament who served, who served on the constitutional, legal, and parliamentary affairs. Former MP for Gumawa West, um, Alexander Aban, and uh, former Tamale Central MP, uh, Enu Safuseni. And they all, or they've also had executive government experience, which means that they've had the opportunity of sitting at the top working with these civil servants beneath them, per the structure of our governance system. And uh, of course, on Zoom is uh, Franklin Kujo. Would we also be joined very soon, or fact, we've been joined by another um, key actor in the civil society space from the CDD. But um, I would get uh, Honorable Minister Hussaini to finish or to complete the point he, he was making before we went on the break. Well, I'll just say that because of the, the fact that we had allowed individual workers, workers groupings to negotiate with government on, her, on their conditions of service, it resulted in the distortion of the pay structure. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason why the Kufo administration tried to rationalize the pay structure in this country. I mean, yeah. the, the, gone are the days when a typist at the Ministry of Finance earned more than a typist at the Ministry of uh, uh, Health, for health instance. Or, or health, for instance, or, or probably uh, mm, 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 employment. And social work. When they were all doing the same thing. When they were all doing the same thing, probably were mates in school. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so because of that, it was thought that it was inherently unfair to be treating people equally circumstanced differently. And so the, we thought that, uh, the country thought that we should rationalize the pay structure. And there were certain conditions for uh, which to come and negotiate under the uh, single price salary structure. Uh, 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 market premium mm -hmm. was one. That is, if you were providing a service of a nature that was difficult to come by, mm -hmm. uh, you could come back to government and negotiate a market premium. Uh, we, all, we made it a point that, look, uh, payment must be linked to performance. Yeah. I mean, you can't just be paying people for doing nothing. I mean, so so uh, they must be linked That has been a mirage. That's, uh, well, that has been mm -hmm. a mirage because uh, sometimes the workers, the civil servants and the public servants are willing to work. Mm -hmm. But the tools we wish to work are not there. So they, you can't blame them. You can't blame them. But there's also but there's also the work itself is not but, there. But there's actually. also <laughs> but there's also the, yeah. the accusation that if you don't have the 
comprehensive structure for even assessing output in a civil service. Unlike in the private sector where there are KPIs, KPIs. clear performance indicators, key performance indicators, if you are not meeting those KPIs, you'll be shown They're the living. door. There's nothing like that in the Well, there are, there, the are, civil there, are there are, there are, there are. I worked at, I started my work in the public service with the Minister of Energy. Mm. And clearly, uh, when Atamil's appointed me to the Minister of Energy, I mean, I was given KPI. One was to assess my minister, two, mm. to work diligently to see that uh, we could stabilize power. That's you are the political no, no, so I'm talking all, about the civil servants. No, so Who's if you also there? go there, if you also go there, because you are the political head of the ministry, you have to give your directors KPIs. That's when they will start working against you. Yes, but, yes. but you have to. You it's, have a, to. it's about enforcement It's about also. enforcement of those, because exactly. you have been given directives. <laughs> yeah. And at the Ministry of, of uh, Lands and Natural Resources, mm -hmm. I was given marching orders. Look, make sure that we bring Galamsey to an end. Remove all foreign operators within the uh, uh, mm. system because the law is quite clear. Mm. And that resulted in about uh, expulsion or deportation of more than 5,000 mm. Chinese from Chinese. this country. Mm. Okay? And the Minister of Rules the same. Yeah, so there are KPIs. I'm sure when you went today, there were KPIs. Of course. Yes, yeah. they told you, look, oh, this is what... political appointees, they give them. Yes, so, so what I'm saying is that is giving... political appointee is a yeah. public servant. Oh, I'm talking. We are talking yeah, about the, yeah, yeah, the political appointees. The political appointees are not the ones demanding for neutrality allowance. What I'm saying is, we are talking about the civil servants. But even KPI. the civil servants, yes. they do have. They do the have. problem has been enforcement. Enforcement problem. For they many have. many years, uh, the system has not enforced them. It's they just have recently not assessed that we, the workers. Uh, Mr. Bauer, just recently, I think two or three years ago, that we had for the first time CEOs of the much battered. SOEs signing performance contracts. The CEO, uh, the oh, no, SOEs, no, it's, no, it's the CEO, long, long ago. Well, but uh, long uh, ago. year year on year, they are making losses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's a different matter. Uh -huh. That's so a you different matter. What they are doing. But it's not long ago. I remember even at the time that I was deputy minister, no. once I addressed them at the trade fair, and they, when they signed performance contracts. contracts. I see. Yes, yes. So it has been there. Maybe Bauer is right. I mean, Maybe it's, it's about enforcement. Maybe enforcement. At every workplace, you have to set targets for the employees. Yeah. At the end of the period for which the targets have been set, you ascertain whether they have met them. What, what are the problems? The problems. What, what might what have caused the inability of the worker target. to meet the targets? Yeah, in some places. But that is not done in the public auto, sector. Autopilot. <laughs> you shouldn't put this autopilot. Because that's what they're clearly saying that you can, I mean, you yourself as a civil servant or a public servant, feel satisfied mm -hmm. when you are able to meet conditions set for you, mm. the performance, uh, in, when you are able to meet your performance indicators. And we cannot have business as usual. Mm. I mean, and public service and public servants or public corporations must know that being a public corporation does not in any way excuse you or exclude you from benchmarking yourself, your mm. performance. Achieving results. Achieving results. No, you should know that. The fact that you are funded by public resources imposes on you an invidious responsibility to justify the investment yes, of public resources in you. Yes. But we have reversed the equation here in Ghana. No, it's because we have some historical inertia which is so, uh, sitting on us. Because for me and you, if this is a private station yeah. and it's succeeding, it started small, mm. it's growing, yeah. there should be even more responsibility on the person sitting at Cocoa Board. Of course. See, because it is our collective resources. Yeah. So he knows that if he runs it down, he's disappointing the whole, the whole country. country. You see, in those days, before you know? independence, mm -hmm. we saw Aban 
or government as the white as the white mm. who were working against us mm. and that mentality hasn't changed so in Fanti, there is a statement and i think the person who coined it must be churning in his grave mm. it's a very bad thing and it's always in the psyche of, of of the people that aban wotu na se na wonsuan abaduma se aduma aduma twenase yensoa yeah yeah it's my language as well yes and that thing is still ingrained mm -hmm. yeah. in us and that is why when people are in the public sector mm. they do little yeah but when they are in the private sector the job is not for your father that's what they say that's what they they will tell you ah e predodo wankoti na e be be yejuma papa dia i was just talking to a lady mm. friend of mine uh who i will not tell where she is mm -hmm. who has just been posted to a place as um in this local government actually uh, as 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 um social welfare officer officer yeah she goes to this place and by 8 30 she's already sitting there mm -hmm. and realizes that even the boss comes around 9 30. they come there they'll be sitting there and all that and and what is or and yeah. alcohol. So they realize that oh, this is the one. Uh, <laughs> we're serious. We, we're serious. So uh, he has been passing you're, some you're victimizing uh, some 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 jobs to her to be doing. Mm. But she has realized that almost everybody doesn't come early. Mm. So the question is, should she, she continue, continue with the way she has started, or should she just conform? Mm. So as you'll be discouraged. Yes, as we think about their welfare, their salaries, and their allowances, we must also demand proper productivity from them. Look, uh, I, yeah. I'll give you an example again. As a, a Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, we were faced with difficulties in rationalizing how we granted permits mm. at the Lands Commission. At that time, there was a, a gentleman in the private sector who was doing very well with the mice, table of mice. Mm. We pushed him. I remember, it made him wear up arms. We pushed him to come help us sanitize that area. Turn it, doctor, turn it mm -hmm. all day. Yeah. And my justification was simple that if he's doing that well in the private sector, you should bring it. Don't do it in the public sector. Public sector. And, 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 and then, then, those are the people who are frustrated. Yeah, yes. And the, because they, they come here with a certain private sector mindset, mentality. They come here and they see that they have to reinvigorate everybody essentially essentially they have to align them because they are like i said a worker mm. goes to work at 8 30. Mm. most of his colleagues don't come to work at 8 30. how do you work to align their interests mm. and the fact that they have to be working together to, to bring their synergies together to work mm. together so, so that's the problem okay. that's the problem with this country all right let, let me go on to zoom now and speak to dr kujo asante of the uh cdd uh, they've also had cause to speak about this Look, with all the, I mean, with the multiplicity of arguments that have, have been made, um, do you still by, uh, stand by uh, this argument that we don't need a neutrality allowance and that it should be scrapped? Thank you and good morning. Uh, good yeah, morning, morning to your panelists, uh, honorables uh, at the studio. Um, no, I, I, I don't think, I, I've heard all kinds of uh, <laughs> attempts to justify this uh, this neutrality allowance, and and as I've you know said elsewhere, for me it's a tautology mm. in itself, you know, because you have to go back to the whole understanding of the bureaucracy, yeah, and its um, place in the modern state, mm -hmm. 
And once you begin to talk about uh, a democratic state, then the, the way you conceive or you conceptualize the bureaucracy is even more important in to this discussion. Mm. Because you are in a democracy, there are competing interests. And you need a state that is rule-based, mm -hmm. that is able to apply the rule impartially to ensure that there's fairness in the discharge of, uh, of public in, in in trying to provide public services to citizens. So the, the whole premise of neutrality is critical. And that's why you have a structure where you have a political class elected or appointed. And then that political class is advised, it's a service, is supported by a bureaucracy mm. that in its own creation is expected to be neutral. Mm -hmm. So even if you look at the civil service charter itself, one of the values is neutrality. Yeah. So if, if you come and make a justification that the job for which you have been um, recruited and, and is, are being paid to do, now you want an extra pay for you to do that job, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and that's where I think, you know, for the problem is, I, I fully appreciate the frustration with pay distortions, fairness, inequities in the whole compensation structure within the public service. And all the attempts to rationalize it, like in you know, a single spine and, and all of those things, it looks like as if any time there's an effort to try to organize that whole process, uh, you know, there's people go around it to create even more distortions. So I understand that. But to make an argument that the solution is to add to the problem rather than to find a solution to it, uh, that becomes very difficult for me to justify and to support. Mm. So I, I accept that there are problems that we have to look. We have talked about Article 71. Every four years, we are here talking about S. Gracia, we are talking about how do we match productivity with compensation, what are the different you know, levels and who should get what and so on. These are all very important conversations. But if we want to address those issues, the last thing I would expect any group that wants those things to, address, to be addressed is to say, okay, well, if we cannot beat them, then we also have to join them. Yeah. And, and, and that that course of action is basically going to run all of us down because already government is beleaguered it has serious issues with paying all kinds of compensation we know that what compensation forms as part of our you know, total revenues we are always getting delays in releases of compensation people are always going on strike the more we we pad on to these uh, you know distorted uh, process of compensation the more we are going to have this disappointment. So it might be short-lived. You get it today. Maybe the next six months you don't get paid. And then, you know, you are out there on strike. Uh, the, the, the work of government doesn't move forward. Those families will suffer. So I think that, I mean, for me, and I've called that, you know, if PLOSAC, just like TUC and everybody is interested in us looking at these issues around competition and public service, 
we should all be banding together and seeing how we can bring some sanity into the process. People have referred to the SOEs mm -hmm. and the lack of, you know, uh, uh, adequate regulation in terms of how compensations are set and all of those things. Let's have those kinds of discussions. I'm sure if we band together, we'll have enough of a strong, you know, constituency to push for reforms. Yeah. But if everybody and if the, the cluster gets it, there are many other uh, public services who are also supposed to be neutral. Mm -hmm. Are they also going to get uh, neutrality allowance? Will government be able to pay? And at the end, it's the taxpayers that have to finance all of these things. Mm. And what do they get for it? So um, I just feel that at the end, you know, because I depend on it, government is turning to a labor matter. They are just treating it as a, a, an employee-employer, you know, contractual arrangement, mm. and they will get it. But the implications for the civil service itself and government able to, you know, sustain all of these expenses that are, are being incurred. For me, it's just we are all going to contribute to running the state down. And when that happens, we are all going to suffer for it. And mm. unfortunately, so, 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 Doc, for you, there's no way around this issue. That man should just, it should just be scrapped, or well, should look for other unless, ways unless to better to the conditions of unless service. You, unless you go to court. Uh, and make a, uh, an argument under Article 191 that mm. this, this, this is an illegal payment, mm. right? Yeah. Because, because, you see, the Constitution, if you go under the Public Services Commission, which includes the civil service, mm -hmm. there are provisions that are meant to protect victimization. Yeah. Because there is an assumption that the bureaucracy is supposed to be neutral. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is doing their job and not being biased, they shouldn't be victimized. But now you are saying that I should pay you to stop you from being biased. <laughs> you know, otherwise, if I don't pay you, be biased. I, I like the, I like the way you put it. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't, you know, it's not mm -hmm. consistent. And also, you know, the, the, I don't see how this, you say, okay, there are political appointees who are benefiting from certain allowances. Well, that's why they are in the political class. It, you cannot do the two jobs. You cannot be a civil servant and want to be in, in also a political appointee. Because if you do that, then we basically, you are saying that you do your nine to nine, then you want to also go and be an MP. MPs don't get that opportunity. Mm. Even if they have to do that, they have to get permission from the speaker and all of that to go and do those things. Yeah, but the public service, the civil service is, is, a, is a peculiar institution. Yes, fine. Even with all these neutrality allowance, we know that it's also politicized. So even that doesn't even solve the problem, yeah. right? But it is, it is just, you know, fundamentally for me, immoral uh, for anybody to make that kind of, you know, argument. And it does not solve the problem which is, has triggered this, you know, uh, proposal, for instance. It doesn't solve the compensation inequities that exist. Mm. And will continue to exist if we don't tackle it, you know, uh, formally. So uh, I'm afraid that uh, this is, it might pass. But if, as I said, the only way is to try to challenge it as this a matter constitutional in court. issue. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, you are okay. Yes. Uh, let, yes. Let me just uh, add to what uh, Kojo said. Um, you see, 
the position of the law is not that the civil servants should not belong to a political party. The position of the law is that they should not openly manifest it in the performance of their duties. When in 2017, Kulosak sued the government, mm -hmm. uh, seeking a declaration that they should be allowed to openly do politics and all that, and the Supreme Court ruled against them, the court was very clear. Just Kulosak against the... Yeah, Kulosak against the Attorney General, sometime in 2017. Yeah, what this is what Justice Sofia Kufu said, and that analyzes the basis why uh, civil servants must be neutral. In her judgment, she said that to be effective... The work of a civil servant in Ghana, no matter the level of operation, requires some expectation of efficiency, discretion, loyalty, neutrality, and public trust. Mm. At this stage of our socio-political development, when political discourse is all pervasive, and rivalry can easily trigger a whole range of reactions, including even violence, it will be most unhealthy to countenance a civil and local government servant who publicly proclaims their partisan leanings in the public space. Mm. Whilst the membership of a party is their right, the open manifestation is what is wrong. This is the, uh, the, the, the judgment yeah, the, the the of, of the court. court. Closer versus Attorney General. General. This was decided in 2017. So the fundamental basis of the job is neutrality. Mm. And if you look at Article 190 of the Constitution, there's a long list of public servants there. Yes. It is not only civil servants. The list is really very long. It includes judicial service, police, uh, immigration service. Yeah. All the security agencies are found in it. Parliamentary service and all that. So, and all this, in order to be able to effectively function, must necessarily be neutral. If you give neutrality allowance to Kluxat, it will not take long. The others will come demanding it, and they will justify it by saying, we all need to be neutral in the performance of our function. I, I concede that, look, there must be a way of improving upon the remuneration of civil and local government service. That concession I made. Mm -hmm. It must not necessarily be called neutrality allowance. Yeah. How we do it, we have to engage. And moving forward, the, 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 the situation where uh, every little public uh, service dispute, the workers go on strike, I think we need to check it. Mm. Because it is adversely affecting the running of the country. I am currently trying to register a company for a client. I'm able to do it because the system is all down. Nobody is working. I think that was the... Because of uh, this agitation. Yeah, because of the, the strike actions. What has happened to the two of us? Because I'm also doing something for a client. He needs the Registrar General to do something quickly. So we, we can inform is their there. partners abroad. Don't do it. They're stuck. Mm -hmm. And so I think that once they have engaged in a discussion, not whether or not to set aside the allowance, but when they should pay it, then closer should take a second look at the strike action. Mm. and, uh, you know, conclude the negotiation, call off the strike action. Evidently, I'm sure that the, the allowances will be paid. Mm. Moving forward, they may have to find a new name for it. Yeah. And don't tack it as neutrality. Uh, but, but, but I wouldn't even say a, a new name. Mm -hmm. a, a, the principle has to be established, established and documented for, yeah. that it is not because 
of neutrality. Neutrality. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It, that that cannot be accepted as a justification. Yeah. yeah. Especially when we have a, a, a clear a clear Supreme Court judgment on the issue. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I mean, so and as I said, even the civil service charter itself mm -hmm. makes that very clear. But it's also that you don't want to set precedent that okay. you know somebody then says because of this, and then creates even more distortions oh, and problems. Okay. So even if it is to improve general conditions and there are other justifications, I think those are what those are the things that have to be documented clearly as the reason why government is making these adjustments to conditions of service. Very well. I'm bringing you in, uh, as, uh, into the conversation with some of your messages. Louis Komla at Santor says, uh, good morning. I think government um, must repent the ground to break the aid by bribing the civil service. I say so because <laughs> I, I say so because of how this was negotiated secretly mm. without the knowledge of the public until the implications kicked in. Um, John, John, Jones, a dope boy from last says, I can't come to terms with the neutral before even allowance. I wonder they bring behind it or, or the rationale behind this. And they also have the courage to demand it. Whereas we have a document which spells out their mandates, what's referring to the civil service charter. Um, Honorable Ayuba from Yagbon in Savannah says, whatever it is, the idea of the neutral allowance or neutrality allowance is misplaced. And government must use the other option. Either than that, this will not give us the needed results. I'm also in support for calls of rewriting our, our having a new constitution. We'll come to that. Uh, that's our next uh, discussion. Asanko from Santa Maria says, uh, we are not talking about the MPP um, elections. The Kubara force is going out across the country. Started on Thursday. Workers of violence all are, um, around, but others are also going on peacefully. Uh, it's not on the table, but I'm sure as and when it all comes together, we'll find space on our platform to discuss uh, what's going on in the MPP in relation to their grassroots elections. This one says there's no need to argue about whether the judiciary is dispensing justice or being biased because the Lord God is watching over uh, whatever we do as human beings on this Asanko from Santa Maria. So we would, we would draw down the curtain on the discussion in relation to the political neutrality allowance um, that has been demanded by the civil and local government staff. Of course, the public sector workers union have also jumped into the fray. Uh, they are watching with keen, monitoring with keen eyes. If it's paid, they would obviously also want to be paid because they are also expected to be politically neutral. For now, though, uh, the 1992 Constitution, since 93, of course, practically, has been the group norm, to borrow the words of Hans Kelsen. Um, the, the laws based on which every other law draws is validity in our republic, yes, uh, since 1993. Through 28th April um, marked 30 years of that referendum that brought our constitution. So President Akufuado um, addressed the country. Now, he courted the support of the citizenry to back proposals for any amendment of Ghana's 30-year-old constitution to reflect the dynamics of modern-day democracy. He's of the view that despite the democratic gains and decades of stability, the country's laws cannot remain sacrosanct. The efforts must be made to seal loopholes if necessary. In an address to the nation, President Kufan maintained that Ghanaians should be open to constitutional amendments when the time is ripe. The 1992 constitution is the most enduring, lasting over two decades, 
and earning Ghana the reputation of a beacon of democracy in Africa. In January 2010, the Constitutional Review Commission was set up to consult with the people of Ghana on the operation of the 1992 Constitution and on any changes that need to be made to the Constitution. Uh, the Commission was also tasked to draft a bill for the amendment of the Constitution in the event that, that any changes are warranted. But for years, or years down the line, some uh, analysts believe portions of the document came with some challenges that need to be addressed to make it better. Uh, the President also took the opportunity to resurrect the debate mm, and reiterated his commitment to repeal Article 58.3 or Clause 3 of Article 55 of the 1992 Constitution, which bars political parties from participating in the election of Metropolitan, Municipal and District Chief Executives. We are excerpts of the President's speech. The address can be considered as the President's appreciation of the 30-year journey of Ghana in democratic rule. Before its adoption in 1992, the country was under the military rule of late Flight Lieutenant Jerry John Rawlings, who took office from Hilaliman in 1981. Before then, the country had recorded military takeovers in 1966, 1972, and 1979. Despite successive peaceful change of power since 1992, some Ghanaians remain concerned over the possibility of another coup d'etat. Currently, a senior police officer, ACP Benjamin Agojo, and nine others are on trial for allegedly plotting to topple the government. Leader of Fix the Country Movement, Oliver Baka Vomao, is also battling his way in court for making a statement that has been alleged as a plot to overthrow the government. But President Ekufuado, while marking 30 years of the referendum that birthed the 1992 constitution, urged Ghanaians to eschew activities with tendencies of destroying Ghana's democracy. There are some who, for their own parochial and selfish interests, would want to see a return to the dark days of authoritarian rule, simply because, with no respect for the Ghanaian people, they are either unwilling to subject themselves or their vision to the open scrutiny of the Ghanaian people, or because they know they will be rejected by the Ghanaian people and thus seek a shortcut to office and power. Let us strengthen our resolve to resist such persons for our common good. Though Ghana is seen as a politically stable country within the West African sub-region, critics have bemoaned a series of human rights abuses. But President Ekufuado believes the country has rather progressed in all facets of life since the adoption of constitutional rule. We have over the last 30 years witnessed sustained growth in every facet of national life. There have been considerable improvements in the Human Development Index. Simply put, democracy has been good for us. Today, democracy, equality of opportunity, and respect for human rights and the rule of law. The president was, however, quick to admit that eradicating poverty has been a major hurdle. The biggest challenge we face continues to be eradicating poverty. We still have challenges in the performance of our public services. We face threats, traditional and contemporary, to our nation's security and social stability in the form of chieftaincy conflicts, land disputes, 
ethnic conflicts. 30 years of uninterrupted rule with the 1992 constitution has, however, come with its attendant challenges. Many have advocated for a need to review the document. Members of the Economic Fighters League and the Fix the Country movement have called for a total review for the president. One provision that ought to be repealed is Article 55, Clause 3 of the Constitution, which bars political parties from sponsoring candidates for local government elections. Though a first attempt to achieve this by Nanado was suspended due to lack of consensus, the president says he is committed to revisiting the issue. It was and continues to be my view that the repeal or modification of an entrenched clause of the Constitution should attract widespread support to make it acceptable and healthy for the body politic. We should further bear in mind the strong attachment of the Ghanaian people to multi-party democratic elections. On the average, the turnout for national elections in the Fourth Republic has been 72%, one of the highest in the world was the turnout for the allegedly non-partisan local government elections has always hovered around 30 percent. I've said it before, and I'll repeat it. I will continue to work for an extensive national consensus on this issue. And should such a consensus be attained for the repeal of Article 55, Clause 3 of the Constitution, and an agreement reached for political parties to participate in and sponsor candidates for election to district assemblies. At any point during my remaining tenure of office as President of the Republic, the matter will be brought back again to the front burner of our public discourse for the necessary action. I'm hoping that after completing the necessary consultations, I will shortly be in a position to announce a way forward. So that's uh, President Kofado um, ending that report by Hansen Ajman. So uh, we've had a constitution for 30 years, um, the referendum that marked its acceptance took place on the 28th of April, and it's been 30 years since that time. We're looking at this discussion from two angles. One. Why efforts to review the constitution have failed so far? Is it a lack of political will? Is it the fact that there are so many areas that were recommended? If you look at this, the white paper on the CRC report um, done by Professor Fiajo and uh, my dean, Professor Tuguba and co, uh, they did their work on that. And so, at least two successive presidents, President um, Mahama, President Kufuado, uh, the recommendations has not seen the light of day. So we'll look at that. And then we'll also look at the MMDCA part, the botched referendum and the attempts by the president, as we, we, we heard him, try to resuscitate the debate on the repeal of um, Clause 3 of Article 55 of our Constitution that speaks to um, electing or making the position of MMDCs um, essentially partisan, sponsoring uh, part political party candidates to look at that. Let me begin with you, um, Lawyer Alban, on this, on this issue. There are calls, in fact, strong calls 
for our constitution. In fact, it's been the most enduring. But there are people today who believe that we need a new constitution. For some, they believe that there's a constitution that was essentially crafted with one person in mind. And we have a, a, we have a, a constitution that essentially sets up a constitutional monarchy or a monarchy, for, for instance. President makes over close to 10,000 appointments, people he may never have met, he appoints them into office. And it gives the president so much powers, winner takes all, so many things that are bad for democracy that's associated with that. So on one hand, even though it's given us our most enduring Republican democratic experience, it has so many flaws and essentially needs to be over, overhauled or thrown away. Uh, where do you stand on this debate, sir? Well, thank you very much. Uh, this debate started not today. Mm. It's, it's been raging on, and we thank God that we have had this experience for the past 30 years. Yeah. But let me underscore here that the endurance of the uh, political system, I mean, of this constitution from 1992 to this point, is not because the document itself is sacrosanct. Okay. I don't think it is too different from the 1979 constitution. Mm. But it is because Ghanaians are tired of uh, uh, I mean, military. military adventurism. Mm. That's the whole thing. That's what we must understand. So it is not the content of the constitution, yeah. which is so sacrosanct that Ghanaians are very comfortable with it, and that's why it has been so, so there it, for it, 30 it, years. It's our affinity for democratic rule. It's, not it's, it's not our desire. For democratic rule, not, necess yes. not necessarily our... Uh, I love for the, the text of this constitution. Of the constitution. Because there are internal inconsistencies somewhere. There are things like the, what, 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 what you said. Mm. I mean, in uh, 28th of April 1992, mm. when Ghanaians went to the polls to either say yes, yes or, no. or no to the draft constitution, the transitional provisions were not even there. Yeah. So these are some of the reasons why uh, people will say that, oh, it was meant to satisfy I even those who make the argument that the, the whole constitution is just uh, another PNDC law. Regardless. <laughs> it came into it came to fruition by the by the edict of another PNDC law. But of course, yeah. uh, there was a need for yes. the promulgation. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, because Ghana itself yeah. came into being as a result of an act of parliament, parliament. in the United Kingdom. Kingdom yes. So we must uh, understand that I have no problem with uh, that act, the promulgation mm. of the constitution uh, law, law. Uh, which brought the constitution into being. Mm. Yes. So my take is that we ourselves want to live democratically. Mm. And that's why it has been there for the test of constitutions. But if some people felt that the ills of society required them to intervene, they would have. Mm. The only thing is that the crop of military officers also think that, look, let the uh, democratic experience go on. Let us be in our barracks and let us give support to whichever government that comes. In office. So having said that, uh, I think that, uh, was it on the 11th of January, yeah. uh, 2011, mm -hmm. that uh, the Professor Fiajo committee mm -hmm. or commission mm -hmm. uh, was put together? Yeah, 2010. Uh, yes. Yeah. So 
I think 11th of mm. January 2010. Mm. Yes, that was it was put together. We had eminent people, yeah. uh, eminent personalities mm. on it. Thankfully, some of them are still around, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Professor Fiajo, very fine yeah. uh, uh, jurist. jurist yeah. uh, we have Jean Mesa, yeah, who was there. He was there. Uh, uh, Professor Raymond Atuguba was mm -hmm. the researcher, mm -hmm. executive secretary. Uh, we had the Kumunguna. Mm -hmm. All those fine personalities were, were, mm -hmm. were, were, were on it. If and you look at the, the document they produced, for the big one. Fine, fine, yes. fine, fine, fine document. They did a wonderful job. They work. Did. And then from there, I think we had the EVO Dankwa mm. uh, committee. That was for the implementation. implementation. And for some reason, it fizzled out. Right? There were many far reaching recommendations that they made. And I think that the time has come for us to revisit it. You asked a question whether uh, uh, political uh, will political values. Uh, is part of it. Mm. I must say yes. You get into political office and you realize that the structure as it is probably is good for you. So uh, you, you just leave it as it is. The bold attempt that we'll get there, but the bold attempt that the current president uh, did in making sure that we get MMDCs elected. And then uh, Article 55.3, which has to do, I mean, for benefit of the, our, our watchers, our, our listeners mm -hmm. and viewers, mm -hmm. uh, for their benefit, Article 55.3 has to do with the fact that political parties can sponsor oh, people so. to uh, get into uh, parliament and all that, other than that portion is district. what has created mm -hmm. all the problem, other than the district and lo local uh, uh, government system. Mm. But I think I should draw uh, attention to a statement that uh, Mr. Johnson, I see you didn't made at a point in time. I think he was addressing some NDC uh, faithful, and mm. he said, look, the elections, the local government elections that uh, went on in the country, mm. we have won collected, and we realized that we won majority. majority. So in effect, Practically, on the ground, we are very, very partisan there. And when you go to the various assemblies, mm -hmm. you can draw the line easily. Mm. You may not necessarily come from that area, but if you go to the assistants for a few days and you listen to their discourse, you are likely mm -hmm. to see those who are pro-government and those who are on the other side of government. Mm. And when it gets to the time of confirming the uh, appointed MMDCs. Mm. You see it clearly. So probably we'll have to uh, get in there. But uh, let's get back, because since you said that we'll deal with the MMDCs, mm. yeah. let's so leave let's that one what, what, and go how, to the, whether, the work. Whether you think this constitution is so flawed that we need a new one, we or we should look at making it much more relevant because, of course, the constitution, as as, as the eminent jury said in 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 uh, the attorney general, the, the constitution is the constitution is a living document. General. Yes. Yes. If you look at the United States Constitution, mm. you can read it in just one hour. Mm. But the literature that that small document has churned out mm -hmm. because of constitutional interpretation over the years has inured to their benefit, has helped. Unfortunately, 
Ours may not be so because there are many areas that the constitution itself has uh, made pronouncements. Yeah. And so uh, in interpreting it, you are guided by that. Yeah, but yeah. in many areas in the US constitution, uh, the constitution itself is so silent. Mm -hmm. So the judges, some way, somehow, Nothing. through their interpretation of the various provisions, mm -hmm. have expanded it so, so, so much, right? Okay. To suit the uh, uh, current circumstances mm -hmm. of all prevailing circumstances of the people at any point in time. Yeah. One of the things that we may have to look at, let us look at the, uh, 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 the low uh, fruit. hanging fruits, mm -hmm. quickly deal with them. Mm -hmm. Because those ones, everybody is talking about mm -hmm. them. Is trying to decouple the executive from the legislature. Mm. In fact, the bulwark of democracy itself is parliament. Mm. If parliament is strong, it's only then that we will say that yes, democracy has come to stay and democracy is strong. Unfortunately, of the three arms of government, because of the current architecture of our constitution, mm -hmm. parliament, which mm. is supposed to be the uh, strongest mm. among the three is actually the weakest now. Mm. Because we cannot run away from the individual person's desire to use the parliamentary route to become a minister. minister. And so there are many an MP who would not be able to stand in the face of the president and tell him that, Mr. President, this is your uh, uh, point that you want us to do is wrong. But 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 what you are talking about decoupling the legislature from the from from the executive, I mean, it's, it's something that we essentially departed from in the nineteen seventy nine constitution, which had that, the, and the, it was because of the seventy nine experience. There was, a, there, was a, there was a history to it. Yes, the seventy nine experience where MPs felt that ministers were enjoying more than them, and they are the ones who had gone for election and brought in the government, and and because of that they were even sabotaged. And that's that's why the parliament where we had. A government rejecting its own budget in in in, in uh, and it was all because of some of these other things. grown out of that that experience? Because if we are going to allow that to still hold us back, mm. we would not do democracy the way we have to do it. Yeah. We brought it. I mean, we we, we brought this uh, provision mm. because of that experience. Yes. But should that one single experience tie us down, and make our democracy just a laughing stock? Mm. Because Parliament is very weak. Mm. We cannot run away from that. True. True. And so, if it was issue of salary mm. and conditions of service <laughs> and the perquisites that go with the offices, probably we can look at it. And those were the recommendation that the FIAJO committee made yeah. of independent uh, emolument uh, commission. Mm. Okay, or commission mm. may be relevant. relevant. So that that independent body would deal with salary structures and the uh, perquisites that go with the two offices. Once we do that, I think we would then have a more buoyant uh, parliament than it is now. Mm. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to you. Let me go on to uh, okay. uh, Dr. Kujo Asante now. On this issue of uh, whether we need an amendment of our constitution, of course, CDD has had cause to be very much involved mm -hmm. in this uh, call for, um, you know, election of MMDCs and the uh, president's quest to bring back this. 
going on the program, I, I want you to put uh, forward uh, to us your thoughts on these uh, matters, these parameters of the discussion. Thank you very much. Um, um, I, I think the, the, the president's uh, speech for me, I think, was welcome. Um, because, you know, it gives us a point of uh, reflection. Uh, 30 years in any country's life, I think, uh, requires uh, uh, a lot more reflection. And um, uh, this, is, this should be a start. Um, but I think, you know, we need to maybe seize this moment to do more significant reflection. Just recently, uh, we're part of uh, together uh, CDD, IDEC, IDEC yeah. and uh, our Danish partners, uh, the Danish Institute for, for, for Parties and Democracy. Um, we're looking at the, the backsliding that we experienced in, in, uh, with democracy uh, within the sub-region, for mm -hmm. instance, even in Europe. Mm -hmm. And for me, the, the, the takeaway from that conversation was that you know, there are certain desires that every society have uh, around uh, political arrangements, mm -hmm. you know. So whether it is an authoritarian regime, uh, democracy, uh, the uh, issues of stability uh, that you want, um, uh, issues of inclusion are always at the forefront, welfare rights. And if that political arrangement is not delivering those things, in, like in our current situation where uh, it's a winner-takes-all system, a lot of people feel marginalized, you know, from election to election. Um, there's a lot of victimization. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, inequality before the law, uh, inequities, uh, inequality. Um, so when, when those political arrangements no matter what the intended benefits of those political arrangements are, if they don't address some of these both material and non-material needs, there's always people are going to question whether or not the framework you know, should be maintained. Mm -hmm. And that's really where we are. And it, you know, it's not just Ghana. Uh, it's happening everywhere uh, where people feel excluded. People feel they, don't, they haven't benefited. I mean, we, it's on record that, of course, this is the longest surviving constitution. Yeah. And there's a lot to celebrate because certainly uh, there have been many, many improvements uh, in terms of, you know, political, social, economic rights and, and also uh, material benefits over the years. But I feel very strongly that our democracy has gone stale and a lot of our, our problems have become you know, intractable and we are not finding solutions to it. People feel very much that uh, whatever uh, system we have put in place, it does not benefit them. Mm -hmm. It does not address their needs. And in that particular uh, uh, conversation we were having, you know, Dr. Bobade made a point, which I thought was you know, quite profound. You know, why is it that it is so hard currently in a hand parliament for uh, political party actors to come to some acknowledgement that they need to work together to address basic needs, you know, uh, like health, education, you know. Um, why, why, is it, why, why is it a problem for you to build consensus on a particular issue? Mm. That, that has, in a way, I mean, nothing to do with democracy. Yeah. It's just, it's just common sense, common sense mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. And yet, we have created all these structures and incentives that makes it so impossible for those kinds of things to happen. So what, what we have missed in this uh, uh, understanding of uh, democratization is that we, we've, we've, we've accepted the idea of it and put in the framework, but we have not built the institutions and the political culture that should facilitate you know, uh, it to deliver the benefits that we want. Mm -hmm. And and that we have we are stuck. I mean, in honorable Aban mentioned the the seventy nine uh, uh, the uh, the Liman uh, uh, the rejection of the budget yeah. and, and and why that created this hybrid mm. constitutional arrangement that we have, and the fact that everybody keeps referring to that, and even the CRC for mm -hmm. that particular issue, which was central to reorganizing, you know, the political incentives was still left out mm -hmm. because people were still opposed to it. So there are, if, you know, the pe when people call for a new constitution, you, see, you can redesign the constitution with, you know, definitely the executive is too dominant and there's a lot of issues we have to look at, some of the Kenyan examples and so on, and try to create a, a proper checks and balance system. But the point is that if and when you do that, if you do not build a political culture that says that, you know, we, yes, we can have different positions on these things, but it's important when, you know, uh, the country is facing these crises and challenges, we can sit down and talk. We can be decent with each other. You know, those kinds of political culture, the consensus building, the coalition building that you see in the Scandinavian countries, which have been developed for yeah. many years, mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't come by chance. It has to be deliberate. It has people, you know, young politicians who are coming up should understand that this is, this is the way business is done. done here. Right? Those things, those kinds of rules and institutions and practice and culture that needs to be built has to be deliberate. It starts to start right from the parties and the parties' orientation. We, we, we haven't done that. We, 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 we keep creating more divisions. I mean, we, the way our, our elections are going, it is nobody can uh, uh, that very soon you can have a, 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 a one party dominated parliament and uh, a president that comes from another party. We nearly had it in 2008. All right. So it is not out of place. If that situation comes, are, are people going to be able to, you know, work together where you have to work with an opposition parliament, for instance? Mm -hmm. So the, 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 it's almost like uh, the, 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 our political party is an instrument for multi-party democracy, which is the parties themselves. Have to, we have to have some deep reflection and deep introspection that if they are going to be the vehicles for which we, 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 we consolidate our democracy, then there has to be massive changes to the way parties are oriented currently. So for me, yes, yes, we do it constitutional review, but I also believe that we, we, the people have been denied so long uh, of the full benefits of democracy oh, sure. that it needs a jolt, mm -hmm. a kick. And that's why the issues like MMDC for me comes in. Yeah. You, you can't have a democracy that is not bottom-up. 
Mm. A democracy that is top-down cannot work. But, 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 but can we get the kind of consensus that the president is suggesting, he keeps suggesting, that until we get that kind of consensus, um, we may not have this referendum about, uh, and, and even the dividing line for this discussion, partisanship well, or the, no partisanship? I think everybody, if, if, for, for a consensus to be reached, everybody has to move. Okay. Currently, the, uh, we, 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 when, if you look at the CDD survey, it's very clear that people don't want uh, partisan uh, elections at the local government level. Mm. We just completed end of last year mm -hmm. uh, assisting region, uh, regional consultation where you know we are talking to everybody, political parties, chiefs, uh, opinion leaders, you know, youth, uh, all, all manner of people, and there is a, a complete rejection of party politics in local at local government level. Even though everybody knows that. Is partisan. Uh, yeah. the, the local government process is partisan. So there's a deep problem that has to be confronted. So I, I welcome the engagement and the consultation because, like uh, Honorable Aban said, it, the constitution has not survived because, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant document and, mm. you know, just by itself it delivers. It's because people were prepared to stick by it. The elite, elites themselves have a consensus that they want to live by it. So for me, um, even as we think about the very complex process of changing the rules of the game at, a, at a, a higher level like the constitution, which is not an easy task because there are all kinds of interests that you have to forge, reconcile, organize, and people understand that these are things they can live by. Mm. Even as we think about that, we should take opportunity to give this democracy a jolt and I think that for me, the uh, making the MMDCs elected is important, but also it, that even if you do, cannot deliver development if you don't address broader local government reforms, okay. which 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 have which when we went around, there are many of them. Mm. The, the the whole process of local government is completely dysfunctional, mm. and everybody will tell you so. There are many things to do. And the other issue which I think uh, is something that uh, myself, Honorable Nusa, and, and many others are working on is to do with political party financing. Okay. Because that, that, you see, if you don't address, which is basically the root of the corruption, mm -hmm. if you don't address the monetization in politics, the cost of financing party campaigns and so on and so forth, and the transactional nature of politics as it's become, then you cannot have any chance of ensuring that anybody that gets into government would give fidelity to the public interest, value for money, all of those things, and the neutrality and all of that mm. stuff. It's not going to happen. Mm. So we have to tackle it at the roots. And these are all major reforms, but they are essential for holding the democracy even as we try to fix the whole car. Yeah, true. And and that's that's my you know that's the approach that I think that even as we're thinking of a root and branch you know review, mm. we have to take advantage of the opportunities to make some serious reform in the short term, in the short to medium term, so that we can keep this vehicle going. Okay, thank you very much, um, Doctor uh, Kojo Asante. We'll take a break here. When I come back, we'll still continue with this discussion on the 1992 Constitution. We'll be back after the break. Stay with us. 
Yo, welcome back. This is the big issue right here on City TV. Of course, let's bring in some of your comments in relation to um, the constitution debate or discussion we're having. Koku from La Paz says, I'm totally against the politicization of local council or local level elections because the MPP and, and NDC over the years have not accounted properly at the national level. AU Farouk Tamale North uh, seriously, the 1992 constitution has been characterized by inconsistencies of our leaders and our current governance who they've always used the law to suit their parochial interests rather than the interest of the state. Okay, these are some of your messages. I'll come to another witness I've seen um, on this issue of constitution, constitutional review, and then maybe we can start a discussion around the local level elections, partisanship or not, um, with you. Well, so the president made a, a, a commemorative speech mm. uh, a few days ago, yeah. and I think that uh, that was quite refreshing in the sense that it gave us a historical antecedent from where we are coming from. from and so, but the democracy, yes, a democracy, our democracy has not been that perfect, even though we are all enjoying the benefits of a 30-year uh, constitutional rule. Uh, we have had lapses here and there. Uh, our, our constitution, which is the basis for our constitutional democracy, uh, has challenges. It was designed to be a political constitution. It was designed to secure us the stability that we needed after a long reign. Our constitution itself is about 70, it's about 70% 70, 70 the 1979 constitution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are just a few additions. Yeah, that's why I said that it's not materially different. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's not materially different from the 79 constitution. And so uh, the, the, the problem is that if we had tried the 79 constitution, probably there would not be the need for a 1992 constitution. But we didn't try it. I mean, it didn't leave. It just stayed in office for about 20 something months. And that was it. And so because it was principally designed as a political constitution, it invested a lot of power in the executive. Mm -hmm. I mean, you must understand that we're coming from a military dictatorship where we had an overbearing head of state. Yeah. And he was going to transition into a democratic rule, a constitutional rule. So the constitution had to be tweaked in such a way that there would not be marked difference between the way he ruled us as a head of state uh, under a military dictatorship and a constitutional order. So a lot of power, everything. And that is the problems that we're having to deal with. Because the president is virtually Appointed a monarch, a, monarch, a yes. constitutional monarch. Mm -hmm. He appoints everybody. Money, yeah. And everybody, you have to, when he was a, a deputy minister, when I was minister, you just had to look to the president in Acton because you had to dance a certain way because mm -hmm. if not the next day... authority. The almighty authority. If not the next day, you'll be out. <laughs> and you know, so... So it doesn't matter whether you perform or not. You know what is look at what is happening in South Africa. You can take it as an example of what can happen to Ghana. That so much power invested in the president can lead to an incompetent government. Mm. And so Jacob Zuma, uh, because of state capture by the Guptas, removed all competent ministers and put people who were who will pander stooges to the, mm. to the dictates of the Guptas. So mm. you can because of the power vested in the president. So clearly. That alone is a manifestation of the fact that we need some changes. I mean, why, why, on, why in, in, in God's name will you think that the president should be appointing the head of the police service, the IGP? Mm -hmm. Why? And you know that that, that, is that IGP and his institution that is responsible for the maintenance of law and order. And you know that we are in a partisanship. 
president administration, I mean, uh, arrangement. And so if the president appoints an IGP and members of his party misbehave or breach the law, how is the IGP going to act? Mm -hmm. Okay, if he acts against the wishes of the president, will he continue to stay there? Yeah, governor of Bank of Ghana. The governor of Bank of Ghana. If he says, I'm not going to lend money to government, uh, you will need to raise the money through taxes. Will he continue to be there? Will he continue to be there? Just the same thing with the MCs. So whether an MC is good or not, if he doesn't pander to the wishes of the appointing authority, he goes. A minister. Okay. So, so clearly, our constitution has... The Electoral Commission, we yeah. have set up a, an, 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 an impartial abater to determine the leadership of the country through elections. Then we have vested power in one person to point out what should concern all must be decided by all. Yeah. So why, why is it that... So that clearly, clearly, they, we left a, a, a gap, a lacuna in the appointment to the Supreme Court. <laughs> mm -hmm. We left a lacuna, a big lacuna, and hoping that no president will do what we feared. Mm -hmm. But presidents are not angels. Yeah. President, so a president argues, so there's no gap, there's no cap on the limit to the uh, uh, Supreme Court. So appoints. So you are having to deal with a situation where even judges impaneled as a Supreme Court for dealing with a matter as are judges who have been appointed solely by a president. So you, there are serious gaps. There are serious gaps. The SOEs. The SOEs. What is democracy about? Democracy is nothing if it doesn't deliver dividends, if it doesn't deliver public goods. If the health of the people don't improve, if the security in the country doesn't improve, if education is, is, is failing, if there's no prosperity, people are becoming poorer. I mean, <laughs> people who question the legitimate reasons, the reasons why they even went democratic at all. No. And, and just recently I had a, a, a known, uh, a, a renowned presenter saying that we need a benign Dictator. Did you, did you, did you read it? Mm. Yes. Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked that someone would say but that. His, his, his words were benevolent <laughs> dictator. dictator. I, I, I was shocked. How can a dictator be benevolent? People cite the example of Paul Kagami. Paul Kagami. No, 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 but, no, no, but, no. But it's Paul Kagami is not a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there's a constitutional arrangement in Rwanda and, and, yeah. and they follow... He follows the constitutional arrangement. It's just that it's a pragmatics. Mm. Okay? He but he that, doesn't have so much power centered in him. Mm. Yes, he has. Well, but that the, uh, Rwanda's history is not Ghana's history. Mm. You need that power now in Rwanda to stabilize it. Disappearance of the fractures, the fractures are still there in Rwanda. You know mm. that? Yeah. Yes. You know that? Yes. So yes, Rwanda is not Ghana. Mm. So and we, don't, we don't need a benevolent dictator. Mm. And so for me, that is why, yes, our democracy has endured 30 years. Yes, we have been able to change governments. Yes, there have been incremental uh, improvements in our lives. Yes, we are seeing more rules. We can then demand accountability, even though sometimes we don't get. Okay? Hmm. We, we can sit on radio and talk and, and, and lambast, sometimes insult, sometimes use derogatory language on our head of state. We couldn't do that. Mm. So, yes, these are the benefits, the freedom of expression, even though not perfect, but we enjoy it. The Constitution requires review. It requires review. And they, like I said, the CRC clearly established that. You have said that they made far-reaching recommendations. Far-reaching. 
to move our constitution from a political constitution to a development constitution. Yeah. Why do we continue to pay chief executives of SOEs when they are recording losses? Are they not supposed to be paid through the gains that they are making? And when they make gains, they expand. When they expand, they create employment. No, but the point is that if you have, <laughs> if you have the president appointing the board, yes. and indirectly appointing the CEO. Yes. Directly appointing the CEO. Sometimes even directly appointing the CEO. No, let me even say indirectly. <laughs> because I, I, he I, will I, just I, tell the board that this is my candidate. Sometimes they appointing. even announce the CEO. Sometimes government announces the CEO. Contrary to the rules of uh, yeah. corporate law. They are not the CEO. So how does the board operate? I mean, so the, board, the CEO effectively takes, checks. The CEO takes his power from, from the, the president. president. The board members take their powers from, from the, president. the president. How can the CEO pander to the wishes of the board? Improper corporate governance. Improper corporate governance. Yeah. Improper. Yeah. So, so you need you need a change. I mean, like, there is no doubt about that. But whether it should be a total overhaul of the constitution or a gradualist approach is the debate now. I believe that there should be a total haul total overhaul of the constitution done strategically. Yes, but the thing is that who I mean in all in our minds, I mean the political watchers we all know yes. that we wanted to satisfy Jerry Rawlings. Yes. At a time that we're transitioning. We wanted to create a stable stable country. Yes. Yes. Now yes. it has become anachronistic to keep the, the constitution. That's why I said that we need a total overhaul of the constitution. Mm -hmm. Do we actually need Article 78 in our constitution? Was the one experience mm -hmm. where, Kofos, uh, where Liman's, Liman's budget, budget was yes. rejected yes. enough to change the system of government in this country? To a hybrid system. Is it a hybrid system? Is a hybrid system actually working? Mm. Is it not resulting in a, in a weakened New parliament? parliament. So, <laughs> so, 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 we, so we, need, we need to look at We need to look at Let's, let's look at the MMDCs. So, yes. After MMDCs, well, I think that there was there's unanimity mm. in the fact that we need to appoint our MMDs. Elect, uh, elect our MMDs. Mm. There's unanimity. But the difficulty, and I disagree entirely with His Excellency the President. The difficulty is the pre president wanting them to be elected on partisan lines. Mm. And you know, in parliament, we were there together. Yes, we Remember were. a bill was introduced. To amend Article 243, one of the Constitution. Yes. We said that, well, Article 243, two, 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 one of the Constitution cannot go alone. Mm. Immediately you elect an, a, a, a DCE, you have, to, you have to remove his tenure of office. You know, under the appointment system, mm. appointment system, he has two terms of office. If you elect him, he, be, he will be like a member of parliament. He can go until the people reject him. Yes. So you have to, to deal with that. Mm. The president can no longer sack him because the power to appoint includes the power to disappoint. disappoint. Mm -hmm. But he, the president will not be appointing him. He will be appointed by the people. Mm -hmm. So that article of the constitution that deals with uh, sacking, that is article 2431. Mm -hmm. We also have to go. No, I think A, 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 B mm -hmm. will have to go. Let me, let me help you. It has to go. So, so clearly, so clearly we need to. Look at look at the constitution. Mm. Let me read the constitution to see. Tell you, and Frederick Hayek, mm. a renowned economist, who engaged in running debates with Milton, mm. Milton Keynes, yeah. has said that it is presumptuous to think that you can use central planning for the purposes of eradicating poverty. No, mm. no, you can't. Look how it should be bottom up. up. Bottom up. Mm. Bottom up. You cannot use central planning. You can't do it because the people, the 
peculiar situation of the people, the facts, the data that the people require at the, to be able to chart their own development is there at the local level. The things that confront them is there. That is why the Constitution even recognizes that. Let me read this, the provision of the Constitution. You see, Article 245. Article 245. Parliament shall by law prescribe the functions of the District Assembly, which shall include, listen, the formulation and execution of plans, programs, and strategies for the effective mobilization of resources necessary for the overall development of the district. So who is responsible for the overall development of the district? Mm. The district assembly. Yeah. It's not government. Now, then, and two, there will be the levy and collection of taxes, taxes, rates, duties, and fees. Clearly, the, the architecture mm. for an effective local government administration has been provided in the Constitution. Yeah. But somehow, because Article 243.1 says there shall be a district chief executive, and this chief executive includes a metropolitan or a municipal chief executive. That's what Article 295 mm. also says, the definition. That's part of the internal inconsistencies. In the constitution. Mm. Now, the district chief executive for every district, who, there shall be a district chief executive for every district, who shall be appointed by the president, president. with the prior approval of no less than two-thirds majority of members of or assembly present and voting at the meeting. Yeah. Then you have the local government administration, two-thirds. Mm. Then you have the local government who says that the district assemblies shall be constituted by uh, elected members of parliament and one third one third members of that assembly uh, elected members of this uh, uh, this assembly representing the various electoral areas yes. and one third members appointed by the president, by the president. <laughs> and then you need two thirds mm. to approve a, a nominee of the of the president yes. to become a district chief executive so in, in fact you would only need one third elected members of of the assembly together with the one, one tenor tenor of president. Yes. Problem. So you have people who have been nominated DC chief executives and they can't perform. Mm -hmm. But they can get the one two thirds approved. Yeah. They, and they wait. The DC and, chief and, executive. And, and, and they are not accountable to the people. Ah, you, are not, you don't elect me. You don't you didn't elect me. You don't elect you didn't me. put me in You office. didn't put me in office. How can I be accountable mm -hmm. to you? And they, they actually wait. Look, even the, in the face of Article 245 of the Constitution, district assemblies, even now as we speak, are waiting for government releases. Mm. Yes, and, 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 and sometimes <laughs> these uh, common funds, uh, they take the, apart from the delays, yeah. they go there with instructions attached. Attached. Thank you so very much. Sometimes they use, even it, use it for X, Y, Z. Sometimes they are even spent at the central level. Yeah. When the local authority knows the priority areas they might put the money in. So these are the things that... So, so, uh, so I think that, you see, why I don't think that we should encourage partisanship at the local level is that because of the level of partisanship, he knows, my good brother knows, that a lot of good people in this country are running away from partisan politics.
no, but even at uh, parliament level, it has become so, I mean, the financial outlay has become so prohibitive yeah. that some yeah. of us are becoming endangered species and uh, we are getting extinct. <laughs> so, you see, and then when you... There are a lot of things that I need to talk about. Dr. Asante said. Because of that, we are working, uh, uh, I mean, in, to see whether we cannot put some levers, some controls on how people spend to get to the political office. Mm. How can you spend close to one million dollars mm. to get elected to the parliament? Mm. And when you get to parliament, and your, a, a your salary is far, far less. And a president will have to spend not less than four million. Four million Ghana cities. No, why, do, why, do, why do you think people are now hijacking the parties? That some people can misbehave and they cannot be sanctioned. Why do you think we have corruption in the system? Because some people think that they are entitled to those projects. Because they put the government in office. So that's the problem. So all this we must be able to change. Mm -hmm. To change it, let's make our districts and the constitution say so, the, the, the institutions responsible for our development at the district level. To be able to do that, we must elect our district chief executives. To elect them, we need not go partisan. Let's open it so that people lecturers, researchers, doctors who do not want to engage in partisan politics but who have something to contribute towards the, the development of their districts can put themselves forth for elections on their own merit, on their own capacity. Yeah. Okay? And then get elected and not, not be tied to the apron strings. Because if we allow the partisan politics at the district level, I'm telling you the end result will be that the central government will still be controlling everybody. One funny point is that, you know, uh, because of uh, the, the, the monarch system that mm. we had in mm. our mind, the president, the president does not even pay tax because it's just like the, the queen. Mm. Yeah, 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 tax. Right? Yeah. But here, we are dealing with a republic. Yes. yes. And uh, the ultimate beneficiary is the state. state. Yes. yes. Even though we agree that uh, in our system, or architecture of our, mm. of our, of our policies here, mm. the president is the personification of the state. Mm. I think the president must pay tax as uh, an example for mm. everybody. But well, you know that as, as it is now, the president doesn't pay tax. Mm. And then issues of um, uh, 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 the independent constitutional bodies. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. If you want them to be independent, it is really independent. probably <laughs> to be uh, uh, independent. Yes. It is independent. So in, France, so in France, uh, Macron and the, you remember the, the case mm. of Macron and one of his soldiers? Yeah. Yes, he's told his girl said, look, this one was wrong. Just recently I was watching Obama and the former head of the mission that, that, that killed uh, Osama bin Laden. Yeah, you could see clearly, clearly, Ma Madame Albright, mm. as a former secretary of state. You need to create those I mean, an yes. opportunity for people to be able to serve the states. As, as we speak, the British Prime Minister has been charged by the police. Yeah. Because for breaking common yes. rules. So, we have there the IGP charge the president. You will suck <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, so, uh, uh, I, think, I, I think we must uh, uh, take the bull by the horn. Yes! Okay? The time has come mm -hmm. where we have to agree mm -hmm. that all our endeavors is to make sure that the people in Ghana uh, become the better of 
for it. And this whole business of everybody trying to venture into politics is because uh, probably Ghanaians are not angry enough. Mm -hmm. And we have seen that uh, the way to reach is, is through, through politics. politics. Okay? Because it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. That you spend so much money. Okay? And then if we look at it from your, the point of view of your salary, salary. you're not going you to get it back. more than you're going to get back. Twice or thrice more than. says 4 million Ghana cities to run in parliament, $100 million. Yes. To run, a, a to run for presidency. Yes. That's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Right. Okay. But, but, but let me add to what he just, just said. You see, we say this, there are no jobs. Mm. But we're not drawing the linkages. You have SOEs. Mm. SOEs are not profitable at all. They're not, they, but you sell it to a private uh, uh, individual and, and they, immediately well, it becomes profitable. Yeah, that what happened. We don't want to do the Russian thing. But we're saying that <laughs> we don't want to do the Russian thing. But if you are a government who is interested in creating jobs, and the problem of the youth is that they, they finish school, they can't get jobs to do. And then you create an SOE. The SOEs are only interested in reinvesting state public resources mm. in themselves. They're not expanding. They're not doing anything. Mm. They're not innovative. Mm. They're not creative. So that is why we have... And they are not creative. Nobody can remove them. Yeah. Because immediately you start gossiping about, about their incompetence, they run to the president. The president though, you will be removed. You will be removed from the board. Mm. You will be removed from the board. And so this is the problem. If we... And, the fact that we are not performing, we are not getting pro the prosperity that we need, mm -hmm. the fact that poverty is, is now deepening, the fact that there's corruption, and, and he still said that in so many ways, but that is the corruption, that if we spend so much in getting into parliament, to get into politics, you must get that money back. It's an investment, not so. Mm -hmm. How do you get it back? Okay, all right. L let me go on uh, to Zoom now. Uh, uh, frankly, you have the next three minutes to comment on this issue. It's unfair to you, but we'll come back. Uh, to you on this issue. <laughs> well, we just have three minutes to go on a break. So actually two. So That's uh, right. A lot has been said, yeah. and I, I associate myself with most of the comments. Let me just say that, you know, um, somewhere 2013 or 2014 it was, I was part of a debate the Africa Report put together here in Accra. And uh, essentially the question was whether uh, democracy or development, which was preferred on the African continent. And close to to text of Africans that were uh, assessed or reached uh, said they preferred development. Um, it, 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 it struck me that the reasons why many Africans were obviously uh, actually preferred the development to democracy essentially was that they, they probably did not care pretty much who was uh, at, the, at the helm of affairs as long as they can get their three square meals a day. Um, they were interested in the in the basics of life. Now, the challenge I have with our constitution is that it does not seem to, um, and, and of course, the, 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 what I call the, the children of the constitution, in this case, those who uh, somehow um, managed to shepherd the constitution into uh, being respected, or I mean, yeah, being respected, mm. essentially do not have the necessary KPIs, I mean, the key performance indicators that we can all collectively say, look, we think if you are in government, if you come into government, you need to get certain basics right, water, 
um, good roads, education, maybe electricity and uh, healthcare. These basics must be the ones that must be the, the must be the ones that guide us into having. A, I mean, delivering uh, what I call development to people. But unfortunately, because of the 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 combating nature of our politics and probably the uh, com- the, the 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 competitive nature of our politics. We tend to be swayed by what I've now come to call sloganeering politics, which mm. essentially says, I'll give you this if you vote for me. I'll do this if you do, you do this for me. But not that fact, uh, after a while, you realize that most of that was just smokes, smokes and smokes and uh, um, what's the word? I mean, essentially, it was a smoke screen. screen yeah. um, I, I think it's about time we invested in ourselves, in basically questioning or demanding from the political office holder, essentially what we think should be an ideal way of life for every citizen in the country. Are, are you fixing uh, the roads to to a level that everybody can be can can appreciate and say, well, there's been some proper value for money exacted as a result of this road construction. Mm. Are we getting water treated water to people everywhere? So that they can say that well, they have some modicum of life that resembles civility, you know. So there are quite a number of things that we should do, and I think that uh, to exact value, we should start questioning the basis of some of the decisions our, our, our leadership make. I obviously have been on record, and I think many have as well, that we didn't need the creation of six additional regions, regions because yeah. it was not based on any scientific proper economic value for money analysis. It was just supposed to extend the, the, the executive's rule or the executive reach to the nook and cranny of this country, which is what exactly might befall us when we decide that we want to have representation across every part of the country. I'm not saying we shouldn't have politics in our, in our local governance. We should. Uh, but the excessive nature of our politics uh, should not be transported there. But I, 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 but but I'm not entirely against uh, having people represent themselves or political parties at that level as well. Everything must be done in moderation. Okay, thank you. We'll be back. We need to take a break now. We'll take a break, and when I come back, we'll uh, get into the final moment of today's edition. We'll back after the break. Stay with us. <laughs> Hello, my friends. My name is Kelkate Toothpaste. Wow. I was made to be gentle on your gum, but protected. I will protect your teeth from cavity, make your teeth whiter, stronger, keep your mouth fresh all day. And best of all, I'm strawberry flavored. So put on a smile and try me. That's amazing. Just try me. That's my job. If you say so, jump on my brush. Make your teeth stronger, chicky chicky whiter, chicky chicky stronger. Yay! You did! I'm glad you like your new toothpaste. Don't forget to brush both day and night. Girl kids, happy smile.
Oh, you're, you're welcome back from, from the break. Uh, so we, we'll, we'll take wrapping up comments in relation to the um, discussion around the 1992 Constitution. So, of course, let's look into the next 30 years. Uh, we've made several arguments. Uh, for you, what would work? New Constitution, or we should take the constitutional review process seriously and make the necessary changes to make this Constitution robust enough to take us through the next 30 years of our democratic journey. Yeah, thank you very much. But if we say new constitution, it doesn't mean that the uh, provisions within the current uh, constitution are bad. No, new there constitution in the sense of maybe a fifth Republican constitution. You know, that people like, I mean, fix the country and the rest who, who, who are saying that this constitution is not fit for purpose. It was no. out, born out of a transition into democracy. It served this purpose. Let's sit down and draw up a new, an entirely new constitution. But the Republican status mm -hmm. uh, came as a result of the apex of uh, or the truncation of All constitutional rules that we have. Yeah. Once we have not changed uh, from that political rules, we, we cannot say we are going to have a, a fifth, fifth Republican, Republican constitution. No. Okay. It will still be the fourth Republican constitution, okay? The reenactment of it yeah. or the amendment or whatever it is. Uh -huh. So what we are looking for is a new development-oriented constitution, constitution and not necessarily a mm. political constitution, mm. right? Yeah. So that's where our focus should be. Mm. And in doing that, we must even look at the amount of money we spend in getting into political office. office. Mm. Do people get elected because they are able to dole out money or they get elected because they have something to offer. Mm. I can assure you, now we have uh, elections going on. And here it is not only for the MPP, mm. it is for everybody, it's a Ghana problem. Yeah. I'm telling you here, if I may do my own kind of confession, mm -hmm. you will sit out there and sometimes think that the problem of Ghana is because the leaders are <coughs> not doing well. Mm -hmm. You get into leadership and you realize that the problem of Ghana is not about the leaders, but it's about the people. Because mm -hmm. the leaders are actually reflecting the lifestyle of the people and the thinking of the people. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I mean, using myself as an example so that nobody can beat me up, it's me. Mm -hmm. You get into politics, you want to do it so well that all you require is that you have the single-mindedness to work for Mother Ghana. But if you are not going for funerals and all those kind of things, forget it. So you don't even have the time to think. Yeah. It becomes autopilot. You just follow. <laughs> and so long as you want your position, you will have to go and do that. And the second thing is about monetization. Anytime that they see MP, MP Didi. <laughs> yes. And you must go and give money. Yeah. And let me tell you, I tried very hard to live within my no, salary no, and nothing more. Right? If you go and don't give the money, then say, hey, then don't do, let's vote against him. Yeah. And so you have people who are going into politics, not necessarily because they want to serve the people, but because they want to pursue their personal interests Interest. over and above the people. Yeah. And if we don't get these basics right, right. we can trouble. change the constitution, everything. If we don't change our mindset about who Aban, who government is. And those of us who think that we can just take advantage of the people's ignorance, mm. a time will come 
that they will be very wide awake and yes. probably exact it on us in a manner that we may not be able to contain. So all these things come together so that we can fashion out a proper constitution for ourselves. We need the overhauling of this constitution, but we even need the change of mindset of Ghanaians. Very well. Okay. So oh, democracy, no, democracy and development are not mutually exclusive. Mm. No, they are not. If you have effective and efficient democracy, it will de deliver development. That's not. Because if you talk about development and you don't need democracy, you need development. How are you going to hold your leaders accountable for the public resources? Mm. How are you going to do that? So you need democracy for development. Mm. I mean, so people must understand that. And I agree and I share entirely with my brother Aban here. Why is it that we have a country where people even don't question your source of, source of wealth? Mm. If you are a politician. You get into politics and uh, overnight, why, why, overnight you are rich. What, country, what nonsense is that? What country is that? <laughs> that you will see somebody dissipating resources and, 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 and using resources in such a way that you cannot simply comprehend. But your people themselves expect you to do that. To do because that. They will ask you. So, uh, so, 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 so what country are we building? Yeah. I mean, I mean that has always agitated my mind. What country are we building? That people expect that <laughs> when you get into politics, you must be fabulously rich. rich. Overnight. Overnight. Not any explanation. I mean, so that is the problem. That is the problem that we face as a people. Mm. And that is how we give them in their state of poverty. Yeah. It's about what you eat today, not... Yes, yeah. yeah, because you see, because mm. you, you are getting the money, yeah. and you are getting it in such a way that you are, you are depriving them of prosperity, of development. Mm. You, are, you are not creating the necessary jobs, but they need the money. So you go and give it to them to spend in the day and mm. continue to be poor. poor. So, so addressing the structural I have, problems. I have always said that much as every individual tells himself mm. that I want to gather money mm. to be able to build a house, to be able to buy a car, they should also see Ghana as a person. Mm. It wants to gather money to be able to build roads, to be able to build schools and all that. But the people down there want you, the politician, to go and give them the money uh, uh, that would... What, when I was at MP, I was building schools. And one day, I, and toilets, and getting people. Uh, one day, I went to a meeting, and young, one young man got up and said, "Well, you must mm. eat before you go to toilet. <laughs> when you go to school, you must pay your school fees. So give him some. Give us the money. Interesting. <laughs> I have, let, let, let me go and zoom and talk to uh, Doctor Duasai uh, on this issue, particularly on the part about electing MMDCs. Uh, the president has directed his call for it to be done on. Um, partisan basis. What's your expert view, um, Dr. Odrosan? And how do we get back to the point where, as government and the president has been clamoring for, we have a national consensus on this matter? Thank you very much. Um, I think that the, the issue is clear, that the last straw of our democracy is to have the local levels elected popularly. Mm. Yeah. And if you want to elect them popularly, that is the chief executive. Mm. You know that in our constitution, it is clear that partisan politics is out of the way when it comes to local government. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the consistency in governance, mm. if the number one gentleman is elected on partisan basis, MPs are elected on partisan basis, 
Regional ministers are politicians. Why is it that we cannot get chief executive to be politicians? That is the other side. Mm. But the issue at stake is election of MMDCs is one thing, and then electing them on a partisan basis is another matter. Mm. We can do two at the two at the same time or do one before the other. Fortunately, in our constitution, the second one requires a referendum, which is electing them on partisan basis. And then once you choose to elect them on partisan basis, you have introduced broader local governance reforms. Which, what it means is that the assembly members would also have to be elected on partisan basis. That is why I am of the view that building consensus on this matter is critical, especially if we want to start with electing them, which means we are amending Article 242 of the Constitution. Mm. That requires parliamentary amendment, yeah. which is easier. Except that looking at the current parliament that we have, we need the two parties to agree. Once we build on the consensus, then the rest is for Ghanaians to decide whether we should elect them on partisan or on mm -hmm. partisan basis, mm -hmm. which requires then a referendum. I think that is how we should approach it. But I perfectly agree with the president. Now look, it is time we elect. Let us build a consensus. The question then is the how. The how is to introduce a bill in parliament that will call for an initial amendment of Article 242 to pave the way for the election of MMBCs. And that is a parliamentary activity. Once we are done with that one, then we move to the next step. So I think I agree perfectly that chief executive would have to be elected. And we've gotten to a point where if we don't elect them, our democracy will be in shambles. Development will elude us because the current constitution we have when you look at the constitution, it is a stability constitution. It helped us to transit mm -hmm. from a military government to a constitutionally elected government. It has stable, stabilized the system up until now. But if we really want to develop, then these are the areas of the constitution we need to tweak to move from stability to development. Okay. So, but, but, but must it necessarily be the position of government that we need to do this on partisan basis? That should not. But you see, nothing also prevents government from expressing its view on the ideal situation. What government thinks is the ideal situation. Mm. So that I see it as an expression of view. Okay. I am sure government and president knows that it is a decision that Ghanaians will have to take when we go for referendum. But he is saying that what I think must happen as a lawyer or as a government is that we should elect them on partisan basis. That, of course, does not become the law. That, of course, does not bind Ghanaians. Mm. He has expressed his views and he's entitled to his views. But, 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 but he's made a point, uh, Doc. He's made a point that if we have this sharp division, then there is no need for it to go to a friend. It's on, it's, in fact, it is on the basis of the lack of consensus that the proposed referendum was watched and it never saw the light of day. And it's, the president is advancing the same line of argument this time again. Oh. You see, his argument is on uh, the, his argument of consensus is not consensus about election. Mm. His argument is uh, on consensus is about the two major political parties and key stakeholders in Ghana agreeing that we have to commence the process. In fact, what then that's the not in dispute. Process, that's not in dispute, is it? Is it? I, I think that is in dispute. Really? I think that I think that is in dispute because. The traditional authorities. Remember, there was a house, a president of a house of chief mm -hmm. that came out clearly 
to make a statement. And also, the uh, opposition NDC also came out to make a statement. So I think that this is a Ghanaian situation. This is a Ghanaian matter. I am of the firm belief that we should open the conversation again. We should build a national consensus around the subject. And the national consensus must even include the process or the approach. How do we go through the process of electing MMDCs? Okay. Especially when that will lead to broader local government reforms. And I think okay. that is where the consensus building is coming but, but so how do Not we approach so how, how, how do we approach this consensus? A national um, a national conference as it was done in the shape of what we had recently with the Galamsey issue. Uh, do we form a commission to go around taking views? How do we approach this national consensus that you are interpreting from the viewpoint of the president? In fact, let me add that the, the, the general secretary of the president's own party at the height of the debate indicated that there are a lot of the people in the MPP who didn't like this suggestion because it was going to take away a lot of government jobs <laughs> from party folks. <laughs> that, I, I, I cannot fault him for that because he's speaking for, uh, the truth. I mean, yeah. that's what is going to happen. I think that we need a bipartisan national committee, mm -hmm. bringing the CSOs, oh, bringing the yeah. chiefs, bringing eminent Ghanaians together and let this bipartisan group build the consensus. Let us consult Ghanaians, and I think we'll be able to have an agreed broader roadmap, which would be bought into by the opposition and NDC and the other political parties, including the National House of Chiefs, so we can move forward. This is not something that the government can do it alone. The government needs other key stakeholders, so we should set up a national bipartisan committee or commission bringing the CSOs, bringing the traditional authorities, and let us build the consensus. The consensus must include a roadmap. How do we proceed after amending 242 to elect chief executive? How do we do the um, uh, uh, amend 55-3? Uh, uh, and then how do we amend the subsequent legislations that would open the system up for assembly members to also be elected, whether on partisan or non-partisan basis? And we should also know that the outcome of the referendum on Article 55.3 will determine or would influence the other broader local government reforms. So I think that it is more of local government reforms and democratization of our local government system than the election of MMBC. Election of MMBC is just one thing that, if it is activated, would initiate broader local, local government reforms. And we need okay. a national bipartisan. Well. All right. Uh, uh, thank you, Dr. Odro. You, you have Dr. a question? You see, the problem is that the president is jumping the gun. 55.3 becomes relevant mm -hmm. if you invoke Article 2431. Which of them is entrenched? That you need a It's not about entrenching. No, but you see... Because you see, the, the, one, that, the, the one that is unentrenched can easily be done in parliament. What I'm saying is... They, that's 243, it's not entrenched. Mm, yeah. Now, what I'm saying is that the local assembly architecture mm -hmm. is built on non-partisanship. Yes. Then 55 is about political parties. parties. What political parties can, can do. do. And 55 trees is saying that political parties can do all but, but sponsor mm. a person to a local government. Because the local <clears throat> government structure is non-partisan. Mm. Now, so I think that the first thing is to start to continue to work with the non-partisan nature of the local governance structure but make it responsive to the people. That is, the people must elect 
those who they want to represent them at the local government level. And that we can do it without going through a referendum. Mm -hmm. Simple. And now when we get that, you leave the larger question of whether after practicing the, this local government system at the local level where it is non-partisan, you still believe that, no, it's not meeting our legitimate and reasonable expectations, mm. then you now go and ask for the people whether or not, because the people themselves have spoken in a CDD survey. 80% yeah. of Ghanaians said that they didn't want partisanship at the local level. Mm. So I think that the president himself is erecting a block. Okay. And let me clear this myth. Quickly. NDC is not against the election of this achievement. We are in parliament. Mm. And a bill was actually introduced. A constitutional amendment mm. to Article 2431 mm. was actually introduced. Except that we said that, look, if you are going to amend 243, non-partisanship, mm. because we don't want partisanship there, mm. then we will not take the constitutional amendment mm. into 243. We will ask you to go and do the referendum first before you come. Oh. Because we don't support the, uh, the partisanship nature. nature. But 2431, an amendment was introduced by Again, we have said that when you amend 243, you have to amend a lot, a lot of subsequent provisions. provisions yes. that was For instance, ten of office must mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, the president's power to sack must go. Okay, whether or not the assembly can, by two-thirds majority, remove... Uh, and this chief executive was elected popular yeah. must must be considered. Also, so we have said a lot of things about that. Okay, all right. Uh, we, we will end this with um, but I want Doctor Odo Odoosan to stay on because he's also a lawyer, and we'll have a legal discussion brief uh, before we go. The e levy takes effect tomorrow, right? But there's a matter at the Supreme Court. Now, last week, the plaintiffs Harunai Drusu Kujeto Ablakwa. And one other, and one MP whose name escapes me at the moment. I Ayaga. think it's, I think it's, yes, Mama Yaga. It's the three. Um, I, I in the Supreme Court challenging the constitutionality of the e levy. Now, they have also filed for an injunction preventing the GIA from implementing this. There's an argument, constitutional argument debate, as to whether this filing for injunction acts as a stay and pre, or as a stay of execution and prevents the GRE from going ahead to charge a levy from tomorrow. Mr. Abba. It's one of the debates in the law mm. that has raged on uh, for a very long time. Because such a stance, the, ma the matter will be called on the 4th of May. Implementation starts tomorrow. Should the, should the GRE be implementing this, despite the court matter? Good. So uh, this is where issues of separation of powers mm. would come in. Mm. Issues of respect for the court would mm -hmm. come in mm -hmm. and all that. In fact, I'm telling you there wouldn't be any uh, consensus on this matter. Mm. Because one school of thought has always been that as soon as an injunction is filed, the status quo ante mm -hmm. must be preserved yeah. until the court determined. has determined the matter, mm -hmm. has made a pronouncement on it. Another school of thought thinks that if the injunction application is so frivolous, <laughs> right, and the court hasn't made an order, order. 
why should you go uh, wh why should you stay mm. otherwise some people can just use these things to scatter processes yes right uh and if you go ahead will it be seen as contempt of court mm. and if it is also an executive action would the judiciary be seen to be encroaching so much in the executive it's action, action yeah. so these are just the questions for people to think about i refuse to, to give a position <laughs> <laughs> because the debate always well, goes on. I can't give a, I can't give an answer. We're all running away from. No, this no, question. it's not that we are running away. It I, is a I, debate. I understand. It's yeah. a, you I understand. Yes, you are not a lawyer that. fully. I'm a law student. You are a law student. No, no, no. That debate is there. I can't give an answer to it because you see, hmm. out of respect to the courts, even if a motion or an application is made to the court to injunct the person from the performance of a duty then out of respect mm -hmm. the parties here and i say parties here mm -hmm. to me individual persons yeah. would 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 restrain themselves from acting in a way that would impugn on the dignity and respect for the courts, for the courts. Mm -hmm. It's not about an order of the court. Yeah. But again, I know that in practice and in jurisprudence, mm -hmm. it is very difficult to restrain a, a body or a person vested with the statutory power or constitutional power of performing a function, function yeah. from performing that function. True. You see, this mm. is difficult. It's a unless, unless that function is going to be performed illegally. Mm. Yes, that would be unwarranted. You are going to say that. Yeah. In fact, that, that application will be in the nature of court permit. Mm -hmm. That if he's not restrained, the illegality that he will be committing will be said that it will be difficult to remedy. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Hmm. So. That's where you end it. So that's where you end it. Dr. Rose, I have the last bite on this issue. That's what I'm inviting you. That's what Thank you very much. I think I'll, I'll take the same position as the lawyers. Lawyers. So let us lawyers always navigate no. the constitutional questions in the way that we No, let us wait and see what the Supreme Court will say on this one. Then we'll follow. Uh, yes, so so uh, uh, my position is that once the injunction has not been granted, it, 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 it doesn't bar the constitutional mandate. Mm. But I also think that it will be fair and just for them to hasten slowly. Mm. So we we'll yeah. leave it to the courts and we we'll leave, yes. leave it to the parties. Of course. Especially when the Supreme Court is involved, mm. we have to be very careful. Because, because the difficulty is that when they don't hasten slowly and then they implement on 1st yeah. May, and the Supreme Court rules on otherwise, then they would have caused a difficulty of reversing what has ever been done. done. <laughs> a typical lawyer's answer. It depends. <laughs> it, depends. <laughs> it depends. So, and that's how we wrap up today's edition of the the, the big issue. Big happy happy birthday to a call. Um, he's celebrating his thirtieth 
birthday on the 30th of April. So that's a big one. Of, my daughter of City TV. My daughter will celebrate her birthday on Tuesday. Yes, yes. Yeah, another one. Lydia Enu, of course, also. And of course, I'm also going into mine this week. So it's a good one. Yes, and of course, belated birthday to Evans Ochre as well. Yeah, so I had in studio Alajinu Safseni of the NDC, former member of Parliament, Tamale Central. Alexander Aban, former MP, Gomua West. Just I also had Dr. Odro sign earlier on. We had Labour analyst, former executive secretary of the NLC, Dr. Adongo Bard. Yeah, Franklin Kujo of Imani Africa was also on, and we had Dr. Kujo Pumpunya Santio, the CDD, also on. Keep watching CTV for the very best in program. Of course, the technical crew, Kujo Ajiman and Gifty Asan, my director. Uh, same time next week, Godfrey uh, Akotobo, for God willing, will be back in his seat. Mm -hmm.